0: Okay. Uh, I'd like to call to order the January 25th, 2024 Board of Zoning Appeals public hearing uh, to call it to order. The board is composed of uh, four members and two alternatives at this point. Four of us are expected to be present tonight uh, with a fifth uh, uh, possibly joining us uh, by teleconference or Zoom later. Uh, that's the one participant participating remotely. Uh, We're a quasi-judicial body and an arm of the court. We meet on the fourth Thursday of each month, unless it's November or December, after each application has been duly advertised in the local publication for two consecutive weeks, and after each property has been duly posted, and after all, adjacent owners have been notified by certified mail. It takes three affirmative votes from this board for a matter to pass the board. Pursuant to Virginia code section 2.2, 3708.2 in the Board of Zoning Appeals participation policy, Mr. Gray has requested to participate in this public hearing by electronic communications from a remote location that's not open to the public. Mr. Gray has communicated that he cannot attend this meeting due to business out of town that prevents his physical presence at this meeting, and he'll be joining the meeting from Palm Desert, California. Uh, As required by law, a physical quorum of the board is present in the boardroom, and the members have arranged for the voice of Mr. Gray to be heard by all in attendance of the boardroom. We'll notify everyone, and Stephanie, if you'll help me, uh, when he joins, uh, but we have a quorum so we can begin at least with preliminary matters. Mr. Gray made the request within the time frame required by our policy and the County Attorney's Office has determined that his request, request has met the requirements for remote participation. The Board of Zoning Appeals will record in its minutes the reason for Mr. Gray's remote participation and the location from which he participated. If you wish to speak and have not signed up in advance, uh, online, please sign a piece of paper by our secretary down here, their pink slips, uh, Stephanie caps so that your name can be called. I already have a list for the second hearing tonight of uh, 12 uh, individuals, but you can join up until uh, we have available time once that case is even called, so it's not too late. Each application will be heard uh, from, we'll hear from staff first and then the applicant or their representative, each of whom will have 10 minutes. Other speakers will have three minutes each. Before we begin, I'd like to ask everyone to check their cell phones and ensure that it is silent so that we don't interrupt the proceedings or uh, electronically mess with the uh, recording instruments. Thank you. Um, Because we do have a number of people and to try to be respectful of everyone's time, Uh, a little bit different than our usual procedure. When I call one of the public speakers up uh, on this longer list for the second meeting, I'm going to announce who is on deck, so to speak. We have two podiums, one to podia, is that the right word? Uh, One on my left and one on my right. So uh, if the person being called would step to the uh, podium that's open and the next person on deck would prepare to come to the other one, uh, we can, as I say, be respectful of, of everyone's time. For uh, any of the uh, matters that we have tonight, we have a, uh, a variance and uh, the Morganson accessory dwelling and an appeal of a zoning determination for the group home uh, down Gleedsville uh, in the AR1 district. Anyone who expects to testify tonight uh, in order to save some time, I'd like to swear everyone in at one time. So if you expect to give testimony at the public hearing tonight, would you please uh, stand? Thank you. Do you solemnly swear that the testimony you're about to give at this hearing will be the truth, and nothing but the truth? Yes. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Okay, so let's move on to preliminary matters. The first order of business is election of officers for the 2024 uh, year. Uh, the two, uh, we have three officers: uh, chairman, or chairperson, vice uh, chairperson, and secretary. Uh, Let's open the discussion on the floor for nominations for chairperson. Are there any nominations? Nan, I believe, is perfectly ready, willing, and able. And I shouldn't make a motion since I'm chair, but I'd appreciate it if somebody would nominate Nan.
1: I will uh, nominate Nan.
0: Is there a second? Any other nominations? Any discussion? All right, shall we elect Nan by acclamation? All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Okay, Uh, good luck, Nan. All right, next position will be Vice Chair. Any nominations there? I would like to nominate Rory. Second? Second. Any other nominations? Uh Uh-oh, all right. Any uh, opposition to uh, acclamation? Okay, then we'll say that's unanimous. And then, uh, Secretary, Stephanie, are you willing to continue to serve as our secretary? Do I have an option? No. I am ready and willing. If you want a paycheck. (laughs) I'm good. Are you ready, willing, and able?
2: I'm I'm good.
0: Okay, uh, are there any nominations for secretary? I'll nominate Stephanie. Thank you. Is there a second? I second. Thank you. Any other nominations? Stephanie will be happy. All right. Uh, and any opposition then to us accepting her by acclamation? Welcome back. Thank you, Stephanie. Appreciate your willingness. You've been. You've done a, a great job for us. Really appreciate it. Okay. Uh, included in our agendas was our. Um, annual uh, BZA uh, report and it's incumbent upon us to uh, formally put into the minutes that we've uh, reviewed that and accepted that. Is there a a motion that we approve the 2023 BZA annual report?
3: I'll make the motion.
0: Thank you, is there a second? I'll second. Okay, is there any discussion about the report or about the motion? Seeing none, and any objection to us accepting it? then we'll say that that was done by unanimous consent. No objection. Thank you. Okay, Stephanie, do we have Mr. Gray yet?
4: No, I'm trying to see if he can call in on the phone instead so at least we can have the audio.
0: And uh, is, the, he, uh, is it okay to participate by telephone along? We we all need to be able to hear him and he needs yeah. to be able to hear yeah. all of us. Yeah. But we don't have to see him? No. And he doesn't have to see us? No. Okay, well, um, It's 11 after, and we have a room full of people, and we know he knows we're here waiting for us. Um, So I think, uh, unless there's any motion to do otherwise, I think we should proceed with the first appeal. Okay, Okay, then we're going to go ahead and and proceed. So I'm gonna proceed to agenda item number one, BOZA 2023-001, the Morganson Accessory Dwelling Unit, and we'll hear from staff first. Mr. Fish? Thank you. Uh,
5: wait till we get it up on the screen here. Okay, we ready? Good evening members of the Board of Zoning Appeals. My name is Brian Fish. I'm a planner with the Loudoun County Zoning Administration. This evening I'm presenting variants BOZA 2023-0001. Mogensen Accessory Dwelling. The applicants are Sarah and Mark Mogensen. The subject property is located at 19510 Smith Circle in Ashburn. The parcel is identified as pin 056189328. It's approximately one and a quarter acres in size. The property is zoned A3, Agricultural Residential, under the revised 1993 Loudoun County Zoning Ordinance property has been improved with an existing single-family detached dwelling and a partially constructed detached garage. The applicants are requesting a variance pursuant to Section 61600 of the zoning ordinance. The request is to reduce the minimum yard requirement of the A3 zoning district which requires a minimum 25-foot setback from the property line and a 35-foot setback from the right-of-way of any road to five feet, and to reduce the 75-foot building setback from the right-of-way for Riverside Parkway, which is required by Section 51403 b of the zoning ordinance, to five feet, in order to permit the construction of an accessory dwelling in an existing partially constructed detached garage located approximately five feet from the southern property line. The subject property was purchased by the applicants on September 27, 2016. On December 15, 2020, a zoning permit was issued for a detached garage on the subject property located five feet from the southern property line. The garage is currently partially constructed. In their statement of justification, the applicants state that their personal situation has changed in the last year and they find themselves needing to provide an increasing amount of care for their aging parents. The applicants would like to construct an accessory dwelling on the subject property in order to provide for their parents' care, but have found their options to be limited by the narrowness of the property the pond which occupies a large portion of the property, and the 75-foot setback from Riverside Parkway. After exploring all the possibilities, they decided to apply for a variance to construct an accessory dwelling unit within the existing partially constructed detached garage. A variance is required because while a residential garage is permitted to encroach into certain yards and setbacks as a non-habitable accessory structure, An accessory dwelling is not allowed to encroach into the required yard and setback. The application for a variance was accepted by the county on December 13th, 2023. Now, This slide shows the subject property in the center, outlined in blue. The existing single family detached dwelling is on the right-hand side of the property. Uh, you can see there's a pond that occupies most of the western portion of the property. And you can see in this picture here the foundation for the detached garage, which is the subject of this variance request uh, right there. One thing I do wanna point out on this picture is the small adjacent parcel to the south of the subject property. You can see this little outlot right there. This is not right of way for the Parkway, but that's actually a small outlot owned by Loudon County. All the rest of this adjacent property to the south and the west of the subject property is right of way for Riverside Parkway. That small outlot there has an impact on the setbacks that apply to the subject property, uh, which is why I, I point that out at this point. Uh, the outlot parcel is essentially. An unbuildable outlot as that entire parcel is within the 75-foot setback for Riverside Parkway. And this is a close-up of the plat for the proposed variance. Now, the the variance request is not that complicated. They're asking for permission to put an accessory dwelling above the existing detached garage five feet from the property line. Uh, What is a little confusing is uh, explaining the required setbacks that apply. Uh, when you look at the picture here, what's the property line is, is uh, here in red and blue. The portion of the property line shown in blue is where it's adjacent to the outlot. The portion that shows in red is adjacent to the right of way for Riverside Parkway. There's two setbacks that apply in this situation. The first is the required minimum yard for the A3 zoning district. Now that requirement is 25 feet from any property line and 35 feet from the right-of-way of any road. And that's the line right here. And you can see it's 25 feet from the right-of-way and it jogs out to 35 feet right here and then it's 35 feet where it's adjacent to the right-of-way. The second setback is there. Uh, there's a 75-foot building setback required from Riverside Parkway. You can see that is the larger setback that goes along here. And it, it goes parallel to the setback, and then where it the, it the right-of-way ends, it arcs down to the property line. This is just a closer view of it. I figured it would make it easier for you to see the, the proposed. Accessory dwelling would go in that garage, which is partially constructed. You can see the entire garage is within the 75 foot setback and the bulk of it is within the a3 yard requirement So just to summarize again this variance request is to reduce the setbacks from 25 35 and 75 feet to five feet as shown to allow the construction of an accessory dwelling in the existing partially constructed detached garage. I'm Gonna show just a couple of aerial shots of the property. You can see here that right there is the partially constructed garage. You can see that's the detached dwelling on the property and the pond that occupies a lot of it. You can see that although it's right of way for the parkway over here, this is actually stormwater facility. Um, not the road is not actually located right there, but it's still right-of-way for the parkway, and that's why we have the 75-foot setback that applies. And this is just a, a close-up of the structure. that uh, it, That is the detached garage, partially constructed, that they wish to put a second floor on and uh, put an accessory dwelling in. In order to approve a variance, the Board of Zoning Appeals must make all of the findings as specified in Section 152-2309 of the Code of Virginia. These criteria are listed on pages five and six of the staff report. There are also suggested findings for approval and denial attached to the staff report. This concludes staff's presentation. I'm available to answer any questions that the Board may have. Thank you.
0: Any members of the Board have any questions for staff? Uh, I, I have one. Uh, just to confirm, it looks like the uh, exterior of the garage is, uh, is, is fully existent, and there is no request to enlarge the structure externally. It's simply to locate an accessory dwelling unit within the confines of that space that we're looking at on the picture now.
5: That's correct. Uh, the permit for the structure is for you know, one story and they would be adding a second story to it, but the footprint would remain the same.
0: But, and the roof would not be elevated?
5: I'm not sure. We'd have to get clarification okay. on that from the applicant.
0: I'll ask about that as well. Thank you. Any questions? Thank you, staff. You've, oh, yes.
1: I, I was gonna say, Go on one of your views, you showed like a bigger view of the neighborhood and if you could go back to that, where it showed the lot lines. It looks like some of the houses there, like some of their structures are pretty close to the property lines. Like if you look on the bottom corner. Right there? Yeah, the next property up and then the following one. Is there?
5: Well, the setback is 25 feet for those structures from the property line. Um, I, I assume, I, I can only assume that they were permitted at the time and met the zoning requirements that were in place at the time, those houses were, were constructed.
1: Are any other variances in that neighborhood? Or in I'm that not neighborhood. aware of any, no. Okay, thank you. So the, the,
0: the third lot from the bottom on the right, that appears to be another garage five yeah. feet away, or, it, or at least five feet away.
5: It appears to be the case. I can't confirm that 100%, but it does appear to be the case. Great.
0: Maybe a shed in the lot below, thank you. Any other questions? Okay, thank you. Appreciate it very much. Uh, next, we'll hear from the uh, applicant. Is uh, here's our Morgansons. Welcome. Were you sworn in? Yes. Great. Thank you. Please uh, step forward, Stephanie. If you'll give him ten minutes.
6: Thank you, members of the Please, board. Please uh,
0: state your name and address and proceed.
6: Mark Christian Morganson uh, at nineteen five ten Smith Circle in Ashburn. Um, we, uh, we bought the house in good faith in 2016. At the time, Riverside Parkway, which is up on the screen, hadn't been built yet, and it was planned to be in a different position than where it ended up, ultimately. Um, it went through a few iterations. Uh, in 2020, we applied for a permit um, to build the garage uh, before the road was constructed. Uh, we got permits issued. And then in 2023, about a year ago or so, uh, we started looking at options to have uh, my parents um, move in with us, but um, our house itself is really, there's only three bedrooms and they're all spoken for. Without doing substantial renovations, uh, it would be hard. We had this garage which was already, uh, under construction and underway. Um, and the proposal isn't to add any space to the garage, it's literally just to finish a portion of the attic. So we're, we're planning on having um, like a chairlift or uh, like a small elevator or something and having about 60 or 70 percent of the footprint of the attic itself finished into living space. Um, so there wouldn't be any exterior changes to what, um, to, 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 to the way it is now. Um, um, let's see, I was informed at the time that I applied for uh, the permit for the garage that it couldn't be built as habitable space, which I was fine with, um, but the problem, looking at the lot I have is that it's long and pie-shaped and the setbacks run long ways down the property. Um, the, the the setback map we saw doesn't even show the 25-foot setback that's on the top side of the lot. And the buildable envelope is like this tiny triangular uh, space that's just right in the middle, um, sort of behind the main house right now and it's, I suppose you could build another habitable. My, my my zoning allows me to have a smaller accessory dwelling, uh, but I mean we would have to build it. It's essentially, I think, only hypothetically possible. You could build a triangular building 10 feet from the main house, but I mean, it, it would be odd. And plus, we we just already have this other existing structure, which is convenient. So uh, so we uh, so th- that's the reason that we decided to ask for a variance. Um, Uh, I I believe the standards are met, obviously. Um, You'll be the arbiters of that, but um, just in closing, um, the setbacks, especially the setback from Riverside Parkway, as I mentioned, restricts the rear and the back of the property. uh, we did. Pro- we purchased the property in good faith, and the hardship was not created by us. Uh, the road was dedicated and built after we received the permit for the garage, and as you can see, the majority of, uh, actually the entirety of the garage is actually within the setback. Um, our request doesn't adversely impact any properties since uh, the garage abuts to a- an unbuildable uh, outlot. Um, and right-of-way for stormwater management ponds. Um, the request doesn't change the proposed use of the property. Uh, and the location on our property is unique in that it's, if we could zoom out, what we'd see on the other side of Riverside Parkway is all high-density commercial. Um, there's no, we're, we're, we're the last house in the residential neighborhood. Everything on the other side is, is, uh, is all commercial, so. Um, I don't believe granting this variance would necessitate an amendment to the zoning district regulations, and it's, uh, it's unique enough that it wouldn't generate any more variance requests of its type. Um, and so in conclusion, uh, granting this variance would greatly improve the lives of our family and our parents, and we hope that you'll consider our position and grant this variance. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Any questions
6: from members of the board?
3: I thought I heard a different address.
6: You're, you're uh, 19510. Okay, i sorry,
3: I thought I heard something different. Um, I guess in the three years or so, is there a reason why? Was there delays or? Yeah,
6: after I was issued the permit to build the garage, they imposed a temporary easement down the, the, the whole length of my property for the road construction, so they froze us out. And then when they lifted the easement, it was COVID. And then building materials tripled in cost and then interest rates quintupled. But I mean, here we are. I think it's really just a blessing in disguise, honestly, because the delays sort of helped us see that there was a need that we hadn't really considered. And so we're here now, so it's all good. But um, yeah, it was really delay on delay on delay from the time I got the permit until now. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Any other questions?
0: I'd just like to clarify, yes? Nope. Uh, I'd just like to clarify that you will not be raising the roof, you're just finishing an accessory dwelling unit in the existing external boundaries of the structure.
6: Yes, that's correct. Great,
7: thanks. Okay. Mr. Chair, just wanted to let you know, Mr. Gray, it appears, has joined us. Oh,
0: thank you very much. Sure. I did want to say that. I noticed that Mr. Gray joined before your presentation. So, uh, Mr. Gray, welcome. Can you hear us? I can. Great, thank you. How's sunny California? Sunny, yes. You don't no,
8: You don't want to know, for. It's a lot better than back there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, then there's no more questions for you. Uh, thank you very much. Thank Thanks. you, uh, Mr. Morganson. All right, uh, Stephanie. Do we have any speakers for this? matter no we do not okay then uh, I'll entertain a motion to close the public hearing so moved second Second. any objection all right so the public hearing is now closed and then we'll proceed to a motion and debate does uh, anybody have a motion on BOZA 2023-0001
1: I move for a variance application BOZA 2023-0001 seeking the following, a variance of section 2-404D of the revised 1993 Loudoun County Zoning Ordinance, ordinance, a permit 30-foot encroachment into the 35-foot minimum yard requirements from the right-of-way, and a 20-foot encroachment into the 25-foot minimum yard requirements from the property line. a variance of section 5-1403B of the zoning ordinance to permit approximately 70 feet encroachment into the 75-foot building setback required by the major collector right-of-way to thereby permit the construction of a dwelling on the second floor of the detached garage on the subject property as shown on the revised plat attachment 3 to the staff report from January 25th, 2024. Board of Zoning Appeal is approved and Pursuant to the Virginia Code 15.2 2309 2 and 15.2 2201, Uh, the board makes the following findings of fact and conclusions of law. The applicant has demonstrated by the preponderance of evidence all of the following A, the application is a reasonable deviation from the provisions regulated the shape, size, and area of the lot and parcel and that the strict application of the terms of the zoning ordinance would unreasonably restrict the utilization of the subject property.
0: All right, is there a second? Second. All right, would you like to speak to your motion, Brian? Uh,
1: I think looking at the property, I understand you know the constraints that the property is under, and I think that um, it's a reasonable uh, request and I think understanding kind of the uniqueness of the parkway and then the uh, out lot, I think that uh, it doesn't deviate from um, what we would see in the rest of the area.
0: Uh, I, I believe to meet the statutory requirements we have some other elements. So I, I noticed that you were tracking uh, the, the draft motion that Contains legally alternatives with regard to the first requirement about reasonable deviation or unreasonable restriction, but I think we also need to find some findings, uh, make some findings about uh, generally shared, uh, you know, problems not contrary to the purpose of the ordinance, and and so on. Um, if there's no objection, I'd like to ask Mr. Or I'd like to ask Brian if he would uh, like to add anything else to the motion.
1: Yeah, uh, that's my mistake. So. Uh, I will add that the need for the variance would not be shared generally by other properties and the variances are not contrary to the purposes of the zoning ordinance and the variance did not change uh, in the use of the subject property.
0: Can you pull your mic a little closer? Thank you.
1: Sorry, I sound like a school teacher. Yep and that the subject property for which the variance is being requested was acquired in good faith and that any hardship was not created by the applicants or the variance. The granting of the variance will not be of substantial detriment to the adjacent properties and the nearby properties in the proximity of that geographic area. The condition in this situation of the subject property is not of so general a reoccurring nature as to make the reasonably practical, the formulation of a general regulation to be adopted as an amendment to the zoning ordinance, The granting of the variance does not result in the use that is not otherwise permitted of the subject property or a change in the zoning classification of the subject property and the relief and the remedy sought by the variance application is not available through a special exception process that is authorized by the zoning ordinance pursuant to subdivision 6 of 15.2-2309 or the process of modifications of a zoning ordinance pursuant to subdivision A4 of 15.2-22-86 at the time of the filing of the variance application.
0: Great, are those changes acceptable to you, Mr. Rose? They are, yes. Great. Any objection to us accepting that uh, substituted motion? No. Good, then let's treat it that way. All right, would you like to speak
1: to that, Brian? No, I think I covered it in the first.
0: Uh, any other discussion?
3: I, I think the, the elements have been met and that not only is a strict application there, but I think it also meets the hardship Undo hardship um, element as well. So
0: good. I, and I, I think uh, the alternative, given the, I, I think this is a very unique situation with the unbuildable lot immediately adjacent creating a barrier to Riverside Parkway and with the 25 foot setback not shown on the plat, but if we impose that on top to require strict conformance with the uh, ordinance w- would require these compassionate people to actually build further structure in posing more bulk in the neighborhood. So I think this is actually a service to the neighborhood because it doesn't create any visual, uh, uh, you know, increase or, or imposition in the, in the neighborhood. In fact, potentially decreases it so that it alleviates the need to build a third structure. So I, I would support the motion. Any other comments? All right, then let's proceed to a vote. All those in favor of the motion, please say aye. 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 Any opposed? All right, uh, you have your variance. Thank you very much. All right, so we'll proceed to the second item tonight. This is Appeal 2023 Five zoning permit ZONR 2023 007245, a group home in the area one zoning district at 20191 Gleedsville Road. Uh, as is our want, we'll uh, begin with uh, staff presentation. Ms. Lore? Your ball?
9: Just getting settled
0: as is Mr. Gray. (laughs) You all right, Kelly? Oh, I'm fine. Okay, we thought you fell out of your chair. I'm here. Great. Uh, it looks like we've got a small technical issue getting the presentation up on the screen.
9: We're also waiting for my presentation to appear again. Um, but while we're waiting, we do have um, a preliminary matter. Um, staff, um, Staff is aware that four appellants have also signed up as public speakers. The BZA bylaws limit presentation time to 10 minutes each for presentation by staff, appellants, and the property owner. Public speakers are allowed three minutes to speak on a matter. We ask that whatever time you allow for appellant's presentation, that time is shared among all the appellants, and that an appellant not offer additional testimony as a public speaker. You may recall in the previous appeal, 2023-4, held on September 6, 2023, the board allowed the appellants 20 minutes to present and that time was to be shared among them. They were not allowed to also offer additional testimony as public speakers during that portion of the hearing. If the board allows the appellants additional time to speak, we ask that the amount of time we also granted to the owners and the county staff, staff also recommends all appellants speak consecutively for whatever time is allotted and that members of the public speak after.
0: Uh, Ms. Lurk, can you remind me, I recall that uh, and that we shared time. Uh, did we uh, request that they speak seriatum so that we had all appellants together? We
9: did, and that way we could also check the time.
0: Okay, uh, what's the pleasure of the board? Do we want to do anything uh, uh, about this issue, uh, mindful of the fact that we've already made a decision once about the, a similar issue at the last hearing? My inclination is that we ought to. Uh, uh, the, the, the logic of this was that uh, applicants uh, have that status first, and that they sh- need to share the time that's uh, that's allocated. Um,
3: I agree, and I think we have to make a motion. So I'll make yes that motion,
0: please. Uh, that uh, all applicants will share the ten minutes uh, provided for uh, the applicants, correct or the appellants. I'm sorry. sorry. Second to that. I'll second. All right, any discussion? Mr. Gray? None for me. All right, all those in favor of the motion, please say aye. 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 Any opposed? Any opposed? Okay. So, uh, Mr. County Attorney. Uh,
10: Mr. Vice Chair, just really briefly, is there, I just would ask if the Chair would ask if there's any other preliminary matters from either the owner or the, uh, we did have one
0: at a previous hearing uh, before.
10: It, just so we're, before, we, before uh, the county began its case in chief, just to make sure everyone, ha- if there's and any other We don't have to come back matters. and revisit. I Thanks. think
0: that's a fair question. Uh, uh, does the uh, appellant have anything preliminary in the nature of, you know, standing questions or objections that we should handle separate from the substantive matter of the appeal?
11: Uh, so.
0: Yes, please step forward. State your name so we can get that on the transcript.
11: My name is Lawrence Thomas. So we are restricted now to 10 minutes again is what we were hearing. Correct? Yes. Among all. Okay. Newport should be restricted to 10 minutes, which should include all family members, people who are employed there who will be standing up and speaking. Would that be a reasonable request?
0: not my position to speak to whether it's reasonable or not but if you're asking us to consider uh, a motion we do typically allow the property owner to speak after uh, the applicants Um, my personal view is that your applicants are applicants but anybody who is not an applicant who wishes to speak in favor of your position is entitled to their to their three minutes. If there's a member of the public who is not a corporate representative uh, or an employee of uh, the party, then I think they have the same constitutional right to have their three minutes. I wouldn't include them personally, unless the board wanted to make a different decision. But So I guess that may be a fair way for us to proceed, is that I think the 10-minute rule is the 10-minute rule, and that that applies to all lawyers, corporate representatives and uh, uh, you know agents of the uh, appellant uh, I'm sorry of the property owner uh, but not to anybody else who's a member of the public who wishes to speak and if anybody would like to object to that uh, ruling that also includes employees yes sir
1: okay I think that makes sense
0: okay nobody's moved to overrule my uh, so is everyone clear about that Yes. All right, and any other preliminary matters? Not from our side. Great, thank you for bringing that. Oh, maybe, when want uh, somebody pops uh, up from the audience.
12: John Wilburn on behalf of Newport. No, I just wanted to make, it. we don't have a preliminary matter, we, we have no objection to the time constraints that uh, you've laid out.
0: Great. Thank you. Thank you, Council. Thank you for raising that to the attention. I think it was uh, a good idea that we clear that out of the way. Okay, so let's get to the substance of the matter. Ms. Lohr, you have the floor.
9: I will be speaking quickly. <laughs> Good evening, members. I had a, trou-
0: a little bit trouble hearing you. I don't know if you've got a scratchy voice, but if you'd pull <coughs> your mic as close as you can, that would be helpful.
9: Good evening, members of the Board of Zoning Appeals and members of the public. My name is Michelle Laura, Deputy Zoning Administrator in the Department of Planning and Zoning, and I will be presenting Appeal 2023 5, Zoning Permit ZONR 2023 Group Home in AR1 Zoning District, 20191 Gleedsville Road. Appeal 23.5 was filed on behalf of 13 appellants regarding the issuance of a zoning permit authorizing a group home.
7: Hang on a second.
9: A group home at 20191 Gleesville Road, Leesburg, Virginia. The subject property is identified as pin 315392788. And consists of approximately 4.9 acres and a zoned AR1. The background information regarding the zoning permit and appeal is found on page three of the staff report and information on appellants prior appeals concerning group homes on Gleesville Road are included for your reference and information on pages four and five of the staff report on september 13th 2023 newport academy submitted a zoning permit application for a group home in a single family home located at 20191 Gleedsville road accompanying the permit application was a copy of a license issued by the virginia department of behavioral health and developmental services vdb hds which permitted the operation of a mental health residential group home service for adults for eight beds a service plan was submitted with the application stating that Newport shall not provide services or treatment to individuals with current illegal use of or addiction to a controlled substance. The staffing plan provided that the subject property will have 21 direct care staff and roles will be dedicated to the subject property and neither staff persons or roles reflected in the staffing plan will be shared with or provide services to Newport's existing group homes on Gleedsville Road. Meal preparation and service to the residents of each group home will be independent of any other group home. And a facilities plan stated that the facilities and amenities at the subject property will be independent and separate from any other existing or proposed group homes in the county. Moreover, no resident will be able to utilize amenities at any other group home. Lastly, Newport installed fencing to reinforce the separation of the parcels owned by Newport. After reviewing the zoning permit application and supporting materials, the subject zoning permit was issued on October 12th, 2023. The appellants have raised these arguments in prior appeals and, went unsuccessful, and were unsuccessful that the proposed use was a congregate housing facility not allowed in a single-family home with an AR1 residential use, that persons seeking treatment do not reside there, and that the proposed use is not entitled to protection under Virginia Code Section 152 because persons will be treated that are addicted to a controlled substance. The proposed... As outlined in the staff report and presented here tonight, the use falls squarely under a group home use under the Code of Virginia and the zoning ordinance. The persons seeking treatment are indeed residents. Newport represents it shall not include those who are currently using illegal drugs or controlled substances. The zoning administrator urges the board to affirm the subject zoning permit. As stated earlier, the owner submitted an application for a zoning permit for a group home within an existing single family detached dwelling. It is in the it is the zoning administrator's position that the use met the zoning ordinance and that the zoning permit was correctly issued, in that dwelling single family detached is a permitted use in the AR1 zoning district as evidenced by the AR1 use table. Further, the term. Family within the use name, dwelling single family detached, is defined in Article 8 of the zoning ordinance to include any group identified in Section 15.2 2291 of the Code of Virginia. Therefore, if the proposed use meets the criteria of Section 15.2 2291, it is permitted as a single family dwelling in the AR1 zoning district. Turning to section 15.2-2291A of the Code of Virginia, specific direction is provided to how zoning ordinances are to treat group homes. We see that residential facilities with no more than eight individuals with mental illness are to be considered as residential occupancy by a single family for zoning purposes and that no conditions more restrictive than those imposed on residences occupied by persons related by blood, marriage, or adoption shall be imposed on such facility. Newport proposes eight residents in the group home. The code clarifies that mental illness and developmental disabilities shall not include current illegal use of or addiction to a controlled substance. Newport service plan states that it intends to operate a mental health residential group home service for adults and shall not provide services or or treatment to individuals with current illegal use of or addiction to a controlled substance. And a residential facility is a group home that is licensed by the VDB HDS. A license was issued by VDB-HDS to Newport Academy as a provider of mental health services for a mental health residential group home service for adults. Thus, a residential facility meeting the criteria for Section 15.2-2291A is considered as residential occupancy by a single family for zoning purposes. If no more than eight individuals with mental health, mental illness, intellectual disability, or developmental disabilities reside at the subject property and the residential facility is licensed by the VDB-HDS, The subject property is a single family residential dwelling and is a permitted use in the AR1 zoning district. The comments on the issued permit recite the zoning ordinance definition of family as well as section 15.2-2291. The permit was approved with the condition that the use complies with the submitted service, staffing and facilities plans, which state that the facility will be operated consistent with its licensure by VDB HDS and that Newport services will not include the provision of services or treatment to individuals with current illegal use of or addiction to a controlled substance is uncontroverted that the subject zoning permit was correctly issued as it satisfies both the zoning ordinance and section 15.2-2291A. Therefore, the board must affirm the subject zoning permit and deny the appeal. The appellants claim that the issuance of the subject zoning permit is improper as the zoning permit was also issued to group homes owned by Newport Academy at 20173 and 20179 Gleesville Road. The appellants argue that group homes in close proximity create a unified campus. However, there is no definition of unified campus under the zoning ordinance. Further, neither the zoning ordinance nor the Virginia code impose any minimum distance between group homes. In fact, in 2020, the Virginia General Assembly contemplated amending section 1522291 to add a one quarter mile buffer between group homes. However, the proposed amendment never left committee and the proposed amendment did not pass. Furthermore, the zoning ordinance does not prescribe distance requirements between group home uses. Thus, the appellants attempt to impose restrictions where there are none. The appellants also point to a letter issued by the Fairfax County Zoning Administrator that determined a proposed operation by Newport Academy of three group homes on neighboring parcels in Fairfax County constituted a congregate living facility. The appellants argued that the facts and reasoning in the Fairfax County Zoning Letter apply here. However, the Fairfax Zoning Letter has no zoning authority in this county, nor is the Fairfax Zoning Ordinance applicable. The facts in the Fairfax County matter are different than in this case. Specifically in the Fairfax case, the proposal was for a unified program with shared staffing and resources among adjoining houses. However, that is not what was proposed in the appellant's application. As described earlier, Newport Academy represents that the group home will not share staff or facilities with any other group home, and unlike the fencing in Fairfax County enclosed all parcels, in this instance, Newport has installed fencing between the property and the adjacent Newport property at 20179 Leesville Road. The subject zoning permit satisfies the zoning ordinance in section 1522291 and will be independent of other group homes. Therefore, the BZA must affirm the subject zoning permit. The zoning administrators consistently opine that the uses that meet the zoning ordinance definition of family including groups identified in section 1522291 or single family dwellings and are permitted in zoning districts where such use is allowed. Example letters are included in attachments 10 and 11 of the staff report. The Zoning Administrator respectfully requests that the BZA uphold the issuance of Zoning Permit ZONR-2023-007251 and deny Appeal 23-5. Contrary to the appellant's arguments, the Zoning Permit satisfied the zoning regulations in the Virginia Code. As dwelling, un- dwelling single-family detached is a use permitted in this AR-1 zoning district, the use as a group home of eight individuals constitutes a family as defined by Article 8 of the Zoning Ordinance in Section 22291 a of the Code of Virginia and VDB HDS issued a license for a mental health residential group home service for adults to operate the, at the property. As stated in the service staffing and facilities plan, the group home at 20191 Cleedsville Road will operate independently of any other group home. The appellant's arguments have been previously rejected by the board in appeals 2022-5 and 2023-4. Further, the circuit court affirmed the BCA's decisions in April 22-5, The appellant's arguments are based on erroneous interpretations of the zoning ordinance in Section 152-2291A of the Code of Virginia. Therefore, the Board of Zoning Appeals must deny the appeal and affirm zoning permit ZONR 2023-007245. This concludes staff presentation, and we are available to answer questions.
0: With three seconds left, you practiced. (laughs) Uh, Are there any questions for the zoning staff? Walker, No questions. Uh, Ms. L- i just like to clarify one thing, a distinction I was tracking through your uh, uh, report and your uh, oral presentation on uh, uh, page eight of your written presentation, paragraph B, there's one full paragraph. There's a statement about... Um, the Zoning Ordinance Imposing Distance Requirements for Group Home Uses. That the written report says that the Zoning Ordinance does impose distance requirements, but your oral presentation said does not. I'd like to, mm. and it appears from the flow of your report that you're suggesting the Zoning Ordinance does not. I just want to clarify. It does not. The, the record should be your oral presentation, not the written. It does not. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Um, Mr. Stahls? Just for Oh, Mr. Mr. Gray, do you have any questions? No.
8: Thank you. No, I have no questions.
0: Okay. Good. Um, then let's proceed with uh, Mr. Lawrence and the uh, applicant. And maybe you would uh, gather um, your chicks uh, together so that we can proceed promptly through and save as much uh, time of the uh, appellant's uh, presentation, if that's okay. Who else is going to be speaking for the appellants? Or are you going to uh, do it all? Great. So if you'll be ready to stand by.
11: Good evening. The BZA should reverse the issuance of the zoning permit for the following reasons. The arguments submitted in the Court of Appeals of Virginia records number 1161-23-4 and 1164-23-4 we have put into the two record two briefs we filed with the Virginia Court of Appeals. We incorporate the arguments in this brief by reference. We argue here, as the briefs did, these four points. First, the statute at issues, section 2291 forbids discrimination against persons with disabilities, but the Loudoun County Zoning Ordinance does not discriminate. The restrictions on congregate housings apply regardless of disabilities. Second, the three Newport facilities are a single congregate facility. Therefore, Newport's total patient count exceeds the eight persons limit in section 2291. Third, Newport is a non-residential facility. The Newport's visitors are not residents, Newport's visitors are transient. They have no intention to stay past the end of their treatment, therefore, section 2291 does not apply. Fourth, Newport accepts patients, current users of illegal drugs and drug addicts. Newport does not require its patients to pass a drug test or require successful completion of a supervised drug rehabilitation program prior to staying at Newport. For that reason, too, 2291 does not apply the next portion of what i speak will is tab a of the supplemental materials this is a congregate house as stated in the letter dated november 29th 2021 to McGuire woods from michelle Lors. the letter states the short answer to your inquiry is a proposed use is congregate housing facility a use not permitted in the ar1 zoning district this is a declarative statement and a discussion and a congregate facility does not become a group home because of section 2291 there are several physical characteristics there is a gate a single gate a single road they share vehicles golf carts moving people from one facility other parking lots buses they placed ads for one person to work in all three facilities the staffing sheets that they have provided to the state have had duplicate employees assigned to working more than one house and in their own words that that their own words point that this is a congregate facility. Additionally, Newport briefed to the state reference fencing off these individual facilities, restricting physical access. They still share a single point, a single access, a single road. The location of this campus poses a danger to the safety. The DOJ statement uh, and HUD statement, question 19, speaks to valid concerns over issues that can be taken for public safety. The combination staffing sheets submitted to the state agency shows approximately 45 employees listed to support three facilities. This does not include visitors, instructors, doctors, families, and other vendors. The campus is located on a blind curb where the speed is supposed to reduce from 45 to 30 miles per hour. They will have 90 additional cars on the road every day, and this creates an increased risk to the community. Stop, please. Go ahead, Lynn.
13: Thank you.
0: Uh, Mr. Thomas, I owe you an apology. I refer to you as Mr. Lawrence. That's your first name, Mike. It
13: happens all the time. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Does anyone have any questions for him?
14: Let's do all the testimony
0: and then we'll field questions because any of you may be able to answer the questions.
13: These hearings are basically about definition. Group home versus residential treatment facility, resident versus patient. I'm sorry
0: for interrupting. Would you please state your name? I'm sorry, Lynn Wright. Thank you, Ms. Wright.
13: Do you want me to start over? Uh, No. Group home versus residential treatment facility, resident versus patient, mental health versus mental illness. Newport's attorneys have used legal language loopholes to redefine interpretations of these terms to their advantage. Nationwide for-profit corporations such as Newport have taken advantage of the national concern to mental health issues. They realized that they could buy one or more houses in affluent residential areas, call them group homes to treat mental illness and behavioral issues for 30 to 45 days, and charge patients up to $2,000 a day, a great new cash cow that's helping the mental health crisis. This is why they're called for-profit corporations. Group home, a place where usually adults live, often for many years. It is their home. They reside here, they get mail here. This is their legal address on tax returns, documents and driver's licenses. Most often they have mental health issues, such as autism, Down syndrome, or maybe physical disabilities like cerebral palsy. Most often they are born with these challenges. There is not a treatment plan that will change this. Residential treatment facility. The patients who enroll in residential programs mostly have mental illness depression, PTSD, anger or behavioral issues, anxiety, substance abuse. Treatment or therapy plans are used to improve or eradicate their mental illness. Patients don't reside there, they stay there for a predetermined length of time or payment. With the 24 patients Newport is licensed to treat at the three house compound next to me, they could make $48,000 a day. And have you ever heard of a group home being listed on luxuryrehab.com? or charging a resident thousands a day to live there? A Loudoun County realtor friend recently told me of another residential rehab facility, not Newport, that has expressed an interest in the large home on several acres in Beacon Hill, west of town. They are also zoned AR1, as we are. Large secluded homes, land around them, little if any oversight by the county or commonwealth, just like Gleedsville. Did you know a bill to amend and reenact 152.229 was introduced last week to the Virginia Assembly General Assembly that would require group homes and residential rehab facilities to be no closer than one mile from each other. Our state delegates are recognizing and acknowledging the concerns residents have around for-profit congregate compounds like this taking over our neighborhoods, not just in Loudoun and Fairfax counties, but all over Virginia, and they want to regulate and limit this infiltration. What I can't understand is why the DPZ and the BZA are continuing to let this travesty occur. This permit and the 2 before it need to be rescinded. Issuance was a mistake, and I know in your heart's heart you all know it. Don't let Newport's attorneys twist interpretation of Virginia 152 15.2-2291 to their benefit and ruin our neighborhood and maybe yours. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Ms. Wright. Next.
14: Michael Wright, Gleedsville Road. My wife and I started our relationship with a farm less ordinary Aflo several years ago. Aflo is a non for profit which employs people with cognitive disabilities at our property. AFLO's growing fields are now going to be within 150 feet of the nearest Newport house at 20191 and just a few feet from the 10-acre empty lot that Newport has also purchased as part of this campus. In past hearings when proximity and safety issues have been raised, we've heard the rebuttal from the property owners about the safety concerns of AFLO's growers was speculation on our part. But, as I would note now, that we've already had one individual cross our property. The parents of the individuals who work at AFLO have entrusted them to the care of their young adults with intellectual and developmental challenges while they work on our property and use the facilities. These are the outbuildings that also reside on our property. And AFLO takes this seriously. Everyone who steps on their grounds, including employees, visitors and even volunteers, must complete full criminal background checks. We've had instances where AFLO employees have asked us or notified us when county people also come onto the property and ask if they should be allowed. That's how seriously they take it. The affluent operations are now year round. There is no fencing between our property and the closest house at 20191. In prior hearings it has been suggested that there are adequate remedies by filing reports about incidents at the Commonwealth and County level. This however conveniently ignores the fact that the damage may have already been done and. Bu- By the time any corrective action is taken, it may be too late. We've already experienced, living on this property, the lack of follow-up that happens at the county level when complaints are made. The founders of AFLO also have a son who is profoundly autistic and is facing the same challenges of finding a group home. But the important thing about a group home is that it is in a community. This clearly is not a community. Thank you.
0: Thank you. We've got about 30 seconds left. Uh, uh, Mr. Masucci and Cheryl Wright are on the speakers list, but also applicants. Uh, would anyone like to use the re- remaining time?
11: I'll take the, I'll take the remaining time. Thank you, Mr. Thomas. All right. Additionally, the county has no way of monitoring these facilities for zoning complaints. The last staffing sheets to two zero one nine one this house lists 21 employees 21 for one house. That's amazing. The number of employees plus residents eight residents exceeds the capacity of the septic field. The SES, who is their operator, their calculation, which is a wastewater calculation, says that it cannot go beyond 900 gallons per day. It's exceeding 900 gallons without any margin. The amazing thing is that this information resides in the staff report, 2023005, and nobody from the county is looking at it and doing the calculations.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Thomas. Appreciate it very much. All right, so we had... uh, one speaker twice in uh, wrapping up, and uh, two additionals. And any questions from the board for any of the appellants? Mr. Gray, any questions for the appellants? No, I don't. Thanks, Roy. Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, all right. Then uh, we'll look, we'll hear from the uh, property owner, uh, Mr. Wolver
12: Good evening, my name is John Wilbert, I'm with McGuire Woods, I represent Newport in this matter. Uh, Thank you for your attention to this. This is the uh, fourth time we've been before this board on three permit applications. There have been four appeals. Of those appeals, you have denied uh, or rejected the landowner's position in three. Uh, Those three have been appealed to the circuit court of Loudoun County, and of those three that were appealed, two went to trial, and uh, Judge Sheridan affirmed your decisions in those two. The third one's not yet gone to trial, but we will do that later this year. Of the two cases that Judge Sheridan affirmed, uh, they've now been appealed to the Virginia Court of Appeals. We'll probably argue in March, although we don't have a date, and likely get a decision in, um, in September. The reason I gave you that procedural history is to touch upon the concept we talked about previously, and Mr. Gray, although he voted uh, with the minority last time, recognized one of, of, of race judicata. So as to these legal issues, and, and the landowner when they spoke, is correct that a lot of this deals with definitions under the statute. But you decided correctly, it seems to me, what some of those definitions mean, like residence and patients and uh, what is a group home. You decided those issues in multiple appeals, and then your decision was reviewed, it was tried, and it was affirmed. Judge Sheridan agreed with you. And so those issues are decided as a matter of law. The Virginia Supreme Court, in a case we've cited in our brief, uh, Chilton, uh, Chilton Baloney, it's a 2012 decision. It was very clear that the uh, circuit court decision is binding on the BZA. So you're the circuit court, uh, Judge Sheridan, who affirmed you. That decision is in turn binding on you. And it, it's a unique circumstance because he is confirming what you likewise found. It's not as though you decided adversely and he reversed you. You decided uh, in our favor and he affirmed you. So any relief on these definitional issues that the landowners um, are concerned about must come from the Virginia Court of Appeals and they'll have an opportunity to do that uh, shortly. But, but turning to the, to the merits, the issue is relatively straightforward. Uh, 15.2291 has four elements. If, if we meet those four elements, the zoning administrator lacks discretion. They properly exercised their mandate to issue the permit and I'd submit to you those four elements are easily satisfied. The statute um, requires that we have no more than eight individuals in, in the House. We're licensed for eight. There's no evidence that we have more than eight. We will not have more than eight. If we did, we'd be in violation of our permit and our license and would be shut down. They have to be treated for mental illness. Our license is to treat for mental illness. That's a matter of the record. There's been discussion and, and speculation that we instead are gonna treat for drug, treat, drug abuse or addiction. That's not true. There's no evidence of that. And we're not allowed to do that. Virginia has a really a binary system on these types of licenses. You can apply and be licensed to treat for substance abuse or for mental health, you can't do both. So we did not apply for a substance abuse license, we do not have one, and we do not treat for that. The third element is that we have one or more resident or non-resident staff persons. We've submitted our plan uh, to the county and we have one or more, that's not in dispute. And the last one is that we've received a license, and our license is part of the record. Uh, The provisional license that you see in the record would have expired December 27th. We received our permanent license December 28th of 2023, which runs through December of 2026. So the four elements are satisfied. The uh, consequence of that is the statute says that the zoning ordinance for all purposes shall consider us to be residential occupancy by a single family, and that means we have a by right Um, opportunity to operate in the uh, residential district. This is mandatory. It's not something that, I know that there's some unhappiness with the zoning administrator of the county, but they're obligated to apply this statute. Uh, There was some mention of a a new bill that may have been uh, maybe out there to provide a minimum distance between these homes. Um, I'm not sure what will become of that, but what's clear is that's not the law today. It's not the law on the date that the permit was issued. And there was a similar effort in 2020, the county touched on this, to modify this statute to add a subsection C specifically to impose a minimum distance requirement of a quarter mile. That did not pass, and so there is no, there's no minimum distance law. Uh, The grounds for appeal, uh, at page one of their appeal, the appellants say they are appealing on the exact same grounds that they previously appealed on and that are set forth in their Virginia Court of Appeals brief what the obvious inference there is you've already decided these issues and they're asking you to reverse, not only yourself, but Judge Sheridan at the Circuit Court and to get ahead of the Court of Appeals that will actually hear argument on their brief and decide the issue later this year. Um, Turning to the the merits of this, the one argument is they're not residents. And at the last hearing, only one of the members uh, took the position that they, they were not residents, and it's, it's simply wrong as a matter of law. As Judge Sheridan said, this is the easiest of the issues. You see that at the bottom. I think residence is one of the easiest things in this collection of issues to decide, the definition of residence. And that's because every single court in the country, and certainly every single court in Virginia that has looked at it, this issue has rejected the notion that it's your tax residence, or it's where you receive your mail. That would make this statute completely empty. It would mean only homeless people or people that move in with permanence could ever receive mental health treatment. So all of the cases say the opposite. There's a two-part two test. One is, do you stay there during the period of your treatment? The evidence is the, these folks will do that. Um, and is it in a home environment? Do you take your meals there? Do you sleep there? And is, is there an opportunity to recreate there? That's the two-part test. And based on the information that we provided uh, to, to county and county staff and the affidavit. Of our CEO, that's exactly what's done here. But the case law is uniformly in favor of a definition that that we've suggested and that you've recognized and that the circuit court recognized. In fact, stays as short as 14 days are meet the definition of residents under this statute. The uh, s- second issue is drug use. The uh, the argument is that we're that we intend to provide drug treatment and we're allowing drug uh, users into the property. There was a statement that we don't test. There's no evidence of that. In fact, all of the evidence is to the contrary. At the last hearing, our CEO was here today, testified uh, for you, we provided affidavits. We have a rigorous drug testing program. And in fact, the case law, there's a case by Judge Bug out of Fairfax last year, he found we don't have to have any pre-admission testing. The statute doesn't require it, but we do. And we do testing, we do um, interviews where you sit down with the patient and you ask them about their history. We do written intake where you examine their history. We interview their families because somebody might not be honest about their history. You interview their families. We look at their medical records. So there is an exhaustive intake process to screen for that and then we also test. We collect urine ahead of time. We do surprise urine tests while patients are uh, at our facility. And if somebody fails the screening process, they are exited from the program. So that's the process, and that's what the records show. So it's simply untrue to say that we don't drug test or whether we're doing drug treatment there. The um, third argument was congregate housing. This is definitional. Under the zoning ordinance, this cannot be congregate housing. Uh, The definition of congregate housing is a structure, quote, other than a single family dwelling where more than four unrelated persons reside. There's a photograph of this. Uh, It is a single family dwelling. It it can't be congregate housing as a matter of definition. But it also is is sort of irrelevant because even if it could be congregate housing, the very purpose of the statute is to say that something that is not residential, by operation of law, will be residential if you meet those requirements, which we do. the last thing I'll touch on is this, this notion that we're violating the permits. The chairman correctly uh, at, at a previous heir- hearing explained that there is a process. If in fact we're, we are doing something we're not supposed to do, Article 10.13.b4 of the ordinance provides a process by which anybody can make a complaint. You submit a written complaint to the zoning administrator who will investigate it. And the zoning administrator has full power to come out to our property to look at our books and records, our staffing reports, do whatever he or she feels they need to do to confirm or find that we're in violation, one way or the other. And if there's a if there's a decision by the zoning administrator that we're in violation or not, there's an appeal and there's an opportunity for us to actually have evidence, to examine witnesses, cross-examine witnesses, introduce evidence, all subject to the rules of evidence. And that's where this issue would be decided. It's not this forum uh, where enforcement or complaints about violation would be adjudicated. And that's, that's a due process issue, that if, if we're going to be accused of violating our license or the permit, there is an opportunity to examine the evidence and the witnesses and for you to hear that and for a record to be made. So I'll wrap up and accept any questions. We'd ask you to, uh, to deny the appeal, affirm the, uh, the county's decision to, to issue the permit. And I'll, I'll, I'll take any questions.
0: Uh, thank you, Mr. Warren. Are there any other representatives from uh, the uh, property owner or employees or?
12: We, we don't intend to call any employees. I, we have uh, folks here, including our CEO and general counsel and operations team, in case you have questions for them, but I don't intend that they would speak. No more formal presentation. Correct.
0: <clears throat> okay, thank you. Uh, any questions from the board of the property owner? Uh, Mr. Gray, any questions? None. I have one, one question. Okay, please. Mr. Kramer.
15: The final one, um, when you were talking about complaints. Would you speak into the mic, please? When yeah. you were talking about complaints, uh, yes. have, have there been complaints filed? You know, I've heard
12: a rumor that a complaint was made to the county. I tried to run that down before this hearing. I've not seen any complaint. Um, if there is one, what should happen is there's supposed to be a written complaint filed with the county. We'll get notice of that, and opportunity to respond. The county may investigate. None of that process has happened. I will say, I don't know if there was a complaint made against the license or not, uh, but I I learned today that uh, the licensing bureau has inspected us several times on a uh, surprise basis and found no violations. But I don't think there's been a complaint, I've not seen one, but that is the process if if, uh, somebody's concerned. Thank you.
0: Fortunately, we have the zoning administrator in the (laughs) room. Can you answer that question? I
7: am aware that someone did contact our enforcement division to complain of the facility but they are still in the process of investigating that so I don't have any you know any updates to report on the status of that other than we did receive complaint
0: okay thank you very much any other questions All right, mr. Wilburn thank you very much for your thank presentation you. then uh, we'll proceed to uh, members of the public in the first name I have on the list those who signed up online who is not an appellant uh, with the county or with the property owner is samantha Findlay if you'd come forward and carrie ann mosley is the next uh, public speaker if you would proceed to the uh, other the ds then uh, we'll be able to call on you right away thank you very much thank you miss finley i'm sorry yeah miss finley
16: Hello. Um, Hello Loudoun County Board of Zoning Appeals and residents of Virginia. My name is Samantha Friendly, and I am a 20-year-old student currently residing in Shepherdstown, West Virginia. I go to Shepherd University, where I'm studying social work at the moment. I'm not here tonight as a student, but as an alumni advocate for Newport Academy. I'm here to share my story as well as share the reason why this county needs something like Newport. By the end of this, I hope to change your perspective on residential treatment. I was 17 when I went to Newport Academy in Great Falls, Virginia. I have had a very long history of severe depression, anxiety, and PTSD since I was 10 years old. I've been in and out of inpatient hospitals for most of my life due to suicide attempts and self-harm. My family and I were looking for something that would be long-term, and that's when I found Newport. On April 2nd, 2021, I arrived at Newport Academy's Gratitude House in Great Falls, Virginia. The main thing I noticed was that this place was not like any of the inpatients I had been to. This was a home. The house I stayed in was decorated to feel comfortable and residents did things that you normally would do in your own home like sleep, eat, watch TV and hang out in the living room. I spent 54 days at Newport Academy leaving on May 26, 2021. Newport strives to help adolescents and young adults who are struggling with their mental health. They don't believe in the label troubled teenager. They focus on the whole person, not just their mental health. At hospitals, I feel like I felt like I was just another number to add to their books. However, At Newport, they made me feel like an actual person. Newport Academy was my home away from home for those 54 days. Newport saved my life. Without places like Newport, people must travel across the country to get support. I was lucky enough to find a place that was was only an hour away from home, but I met clients who were from Florida and even Maine that came to Virginia to get the help that they needed. Being away from home for so long is hard enough, but think about those residents being hundreds of miles away from home, where their families can only support them through a phone or a computer screen that causes way more distress for the resident and the family. It is vital to have a place like Newport in this county so adolescents and young adults can get the support they desperately need. One thing that has bothered me since leaving Newport was the perception that people have with this residential treatment facility being a rehab center. That is far from the truth. The intake process before going to Newport is extensive. They make sure to ask about aggression, violence with others, running away, and drug use. If at any point in your intake, you express a history of any of these things, they will not let you come to Newport. They want to make sure that not only the patients and staff are safe, but that the neighbors in the community are as well. There has not been a reported incident of violence towards neighbors at any of the Newport Academy houses across the country that I'm aware of. I am urging the Board of Zoning Appeals to consider the long-term benefits that the establishment of Newport Academy can bring to the state of Virginia. This is a very unique opportunity for the young people in the community to get the help that they deserve, especially in times where they feel like they can't find anything else to help them. I am hopeful that the board and the community can see the true effect of residential treatment by hearing from me. Thank you for your time and consideration.
0: Thank you. Any questions for Ms. Finley? Mr. Gregg? uh-oh did we lose Mr. Gray yes no okay
13: <laughs>
0: no we didn't lose you or no you don't have any questions or both I think both okay thank you all right um, uh, next on deck is Lauren Faye Henry if you'd come forward and we'll hear from Carrie Ann Mosley
17: Thank you very much. My name is Carrie Ann Mosley. I live at 42880 Iron Bed Place in Chantilly, Virginia in the Dulles District of Loudoun County. On March 22nd, my 13-year-old daughter attempted suicide. After spending one day in a Loudoun County Hospital, five days in a Fairfax County Hospital, three weeks in an acute care facility, also in Fairfax County, she spent 57 days at inpatient treatment at Newport, also in Fairfax County. Uh, she, We were thankfully, after six months, able to find one doctor for her in Loudoun County that took us off their wait list after six months. But for her ongoing therapy, we again have to drive her to Reston in Fairfax County. The lack of psychiatric options for our young people in Loudoun County is quite unfortunate. Uh, We need to really consider this application as a true service to the community. I'm very sorry that some people do not want this facility in their backyard, and I do understand many of the concerns being raised. I can tell you the facility that my daughter was in in Fairfax County was also located off of Seneca Road, which is a very dangerous road in Fairfax County, and they did not have any problems with danger to the community in that situation. Uh, I can also speak to the rigorous intake process at, 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 um, at the Newport Academy. We were interviewed, my daughter was interviewed, we had to provide all of her medical records from both the Inova uh, Children's Hospital as well as from the Dominion Acute Care Facility. Uh, so it was very rigorous. Additionally, Um, they do not even let these children bring deodorant or hairspray that has alcohol. They really control what comes in the door and at no time are we able to bring things in that would contain alcohol or any kind of substance. So uh, I felt quite comfortable with the fact that there was no drugs, no outside medication, no products even containing rubbing alcohol in the facility. Uh, I would encourage you to uh, allow them to proceed with this valuable asset to our community uh, because truly there are not enough facilities in Loudoun County for Loudoun County residents to seek care for their families. So I would ask that you please allow the the Newport Academy to proceed. Thank you.
0: Any questions for Ms. Mosley? Mr. Gregg, any questions? Ma'am. No. Okay, uh, ma'am, Mr. Kramer has a question for you. Please,
17: Mr. Kramer.
15: Hi. Sorry. Thank you. Um, We've heard um, a lot about the intake process and how thorough that is. Can can you talk a little bit about, since it was a 13-year-old daughter of yours, Mm -hmm. um, kind of the daily oversight that, that you saw or that she experienced? At Newport? Yes.
17: Yes, so they have a pretty, like, imposed schedule, so every day has a certain routine, and so they had academic studies, so they uh, switched to distance learning when they're there, so they actually have time set aside to do um, classwork, and they do distance learning and they have teachers that come in and basically run that for them. Uh, And then they have chores and then they have some social time where they can sit. They also do mandatory exercising every day. So we found it to be quite good. And in fact, I will tell you that when our daughter came home, she was much more engaged from a family perspective, like she did chores, she's now uh, in the honors program. Um, And so this was literally one year ago for us. And now she's taking honors classes at Willard Middle School, and we were just over at Lightridge, and she is also being accepted into several honors classes there for ninth grade next year. Um, so it truly was impactful for us, and the amount of sort of rigor and discipline they had in the schedule was pretty significant for these kids. Thank you. And, and I will say I also lived in a community uh, in Great Falls previously where my daughter actually was, her home was. And I talked to several of the neighbors there and they, I, I asked like, is there disruption to you? Um, and they actually offered that the house two doors down with college age kids <laughs> was significantly more disruptive, um, throwing parties, et cetera, which were not happening at the new board home.
15: Thank you.
0: Thank you. Any other questions? Thank you. All right. Uh, is uh, Ms. Henry, Lauren Henry, here? Okay, then next we're going to call on Louis or Louis Bergeron, and on deck will be Stephanie Fay.
18: Good evening. I'm Louis Bergeron, retired Navy veteran and resident of Gleansfield Road for the last 14 years. Hard go out to everybody who's dealing with mental health issues, especially teenagers. This facility does treat adults and thank you for the opportunity to speak. I've been watching this train wreck unfold for this county for the last two years. It's taken an immense mental toll on me and my family as well. So let's be clear about the stakes tonight. Loudoun County is setting a precedent. I'll say that again, this is precedent setting. They're setting a precedent that will allow private equity firms to buy as many adjacent homes together in Loudoun County as their billions of dollars will allow. This PCA will likely uphold the zoning permit for the third adjacent property tonight. And what's the precedent? It's that three adjacent homes, five homes, 10 homes, heck, an entire subdivision can be purchased outright or over time to create a commercial campus with shared resources. That's okay if the county wants that to happen, but they are doing this by buy-right status. And there's not an HOA covenant, there's not a city ordinance, and there's not a county ordinance that will stop them. They want scale. You're giving it to them on a silver platter. So let's talk about it. When you look up the owner of the subject properties in the county database, all three are owned by Monroe R-E-L-L-C. What does the R-E stand for? Real estate. That's what this is all about. Monroe real estate company is bankrolled by a Canadian private equity firm called Onex that has billions of dollars under management. You ever heard of a duck test? If it walks like a duck, it talks like a duck, it's a duck. Applying logical, rational thought to this, you will find that this is a congregate use and not allowed in AR-1. And the belief that they will operate three adjacent properties as separate facilities is laughable on a single driveway and all the shared properties. So let's talk about zoning enforcement. There's no way to properly uh, enforce these permits. There's no way to check on their claims. We've provided evidence in the past as several BCAs of intended and actual sharing of resources, shared staffed, shared licensing. If you can't enforce it, can you permit it? You can look at tab A for all those of the evidences that uh, Mr. Thomas talked about as well. This has been so simple and so obvious to us from 2021. Newport, after being denied the ability to scale with three adjacent homes in Fairfax County in 2019, simply moved to Valdon County. They chose a three-house family subdivision and AR1 zone with a cold hard calculation that if they can win here tonight, then Loudon County is wide open. You are setting the precedent tonight. As they have said, there is no saturation law. So my HOA, your HOA, your neighborhood, is all fair game regardless of the zone you're in. That's why they are fighting so hard. Newport needs this precedent set, probably because they want to use the precedent to get back into Fairfax and get all that sweet, sweet McLean and Great Falls real estate they crave. But the Board of Zoning Appeals can do something about this tonight. We are your neighbors. We grocery shop together. We pay taxes together. We want to be here for the long haul and give us the chance as well. If private equity loses tonight, it's a write off for them, a decimal dust on a spreadsheet. For us, it's everything we work for. Do the right thing. Thank you. And we really hope that everyone gets mental health and treatment they need. We believe in that. We want that to be a public private partnership with the county and cited it properly in a properly zoned area. Thank you, and hope you get the treatment you need. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Mr. Bergeron. Any que- Excuse me, Mr. Bergeron, don't walk away so fast. Any questions for Mr. Bergeron? Mr. Gray? Nope. Thank you. All right, uh, next is Stephanie Fay, and on deck is Jen Kordonsky. Okay. if you'd come up to the other microphone. Ms. Fay, did I pronounce I- that correctly?
19: It, it's Fahey, that's all right. Fahey, sorry. Um, my name is Stephanie Fahey. I'm here um, as a parent advocate on behalf of my daughter in Newport. Um, my daughter was 12 and spent three months at Newport's residential program in McLean um, between March and June of 2023. She suffered from severe depression, um, had suicidal ideation with a plan, and was self-harming. We um, learned that she had been targeted by an online sexual predator playing Roblox, a children's game. Um, And this caused her to engage in these behaviors. Um, My husband and I uh, took her to the emergency room where she was for two days um, to have her assessed. She went to an acute care facility two hours away because that was the only place that had openings. Um, So we were able to visit her two days a week, one hour. And we had scheduled phone calls with her. Um, After that, we thought that maybe there would be a plan or some kind of referrals for treatment. There weren't. So my husband and I had to come up with our own plan um, and become very uh, educated in mental health and what things were. Um, I ended up putting her in a partial hospitalization program another agency that took our insurance, had openings on paper, looked good. She was there for three months. She relapsed. She ended up back up in another acute care facility. Um, we found a suicide note. She had been engaging in self-harm all over her body. Um, we learned about Newport. I had actually learned about Newport from several other people that had good things to say about it. And then at the acute care facility, her therapist there had um, worked there. And so she told us, that she should go into a residential program. Um, I did not want her in a hospital setting. I did not want her in that kind of environment. Um, but Newport had a house. It was in McLean. It looked meticulous. It was a home setting. So I felt more comfortable with that. Um, I want to just echo everything that the woman said earlier. I'm sorry, I don't remember her name. but same intake process um, you know we couldn't we, we had to get certain brands of hairspray or not even hairspray but like her, her any kind of fluids shampoo conditioner I mean they, they were very very strict about that um, and when she eventually did go which was three weeks later because they had a waiting list we couldn't get her in in that time my husband had to take um, time off work to watch her 24/7 so she wouldn't hurt herself or kill herself. Um, and uh, we were able to finally get her in, and um, fabulous treatment team, it was so well organized, it was, she felt safe there, she was comfortable, I felt safe, I felt comfortable as her mother having her there, Um, and she's just, you know, done phenomenal um, since she's come out of there. I mean, it's been a lot of work, but she actually went back to school for the first time in nine months. There was an educational program. She did that as well when she was at Newport, but she went back to school with her peers. She, we just had a meeting with her um, counselors. She has straight A's. Uh, It's just like night and day. Um, And I just, she wouldn't be here. I don't think she would be here today without Newport. I really don't. And I, I agree that there were parents that we talked to that came from California, that came from all over the nation to come to Newport because they were desperate.
0: Can you wrap up, Ms. Faye? Yeah, I'm dead. Cool. Okay, thank mm-hmm. you. Any questions for Ms. Faye? Mr. Gray, any questions? No. 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 Okay. Thanks. Thank you, Ms. Faye. Uh, so uh, next will be—I I remember not doing this name correctly before. <laughs> I think I said Body, but it's—is uh, it Bodie? Yeah. You're next. Uh, and uh, Jen Krodonski is up.
20: Yes. Thank you. So. What's that loud?
0: Yeah, please speak into the microphone. State your name.
20: Um, so I am a parent as well of a teenage girl who went through Newport. Um, she was 13 when COVID hit, and I think all of you have heard about the mental health problems that children have had due to isolation isolation from COVID. So um, depression came on, anxiety came on, and when she was 14, I... Every time I say it, I start to cry. She did have a suicide attempt. We tried everything and nothing was working. So when I hear the neighbors say, we really care about mental health and we want you to be able to get it, nothing worked for these children except a residential treatment program. My daughter was hospitalized, my daughter did DBT, my daughter did IOP, partial hospitalization, everything, nothing moved the needle except for residential treatment. I am also someone that didn't have the access to care in the area. I flew my daughter at age 14 to California, to Southern California, so she could go to Newport um, in a facility where my insurance covered the care. So I also heard somebody talking about it's for profit, they're making so much money. If anybody has a child, I know they would believe that if they had to, they would pay anything that they had to, to get the care for their child that they needed. So I had to fly my daughter to California, and then when she came back, she actually continued with Newport in their partial hospitalization and their IOP and I commuted to Rockville every single day for three or four months to be able to give her that care. You will do whatever you have to. If I, I live in Baltimore, by the way, so it was a commute every day. Um, if I had something in my area, I don't have that access. I think people are very fortunate that they have the access here. Um, my daughter's doing great. She's a senior in high school. She is graduating on time, thanks to Newport and their ability to provide schooling for the children, three hours a day, I believe. And she's actually gotten into every college, we haven't heard from one yet, but every college that she has applied to. And I was a little bit worried because they were gonna see a gap in her transcript of a semester that she didn't go to her school. And I was worried that because of the stigma of mental health, and the concerns over college is being able to manage children with mental health that she would be stigmatized, possibly discriminated against. I am so happy to tell you that she wasn't and she has gotten into all of these schools. Um, I think that um, I said mostly everything except I hope nobody ever has to be in the position that these parents and myself have had been in, but if they do have to, they'd be very fortunate to have their care in a residential treatment program.
0: Thank you, Ms. Kurdonsky. Any questions? Mr. Gray, any questions? Nope, okay, thank you, Ms. Thank you. Uh On deck is Dylan Arthur and Mr. Bodie, Bodie, tell me again. Bo- Bodie. Okay, thank you.
21: Uh, first, I would like the record to show that I don't have any facilita- um, affiliation with Newport Healthcare other than being a dad whose son they helped. Um, I have a, a genuine interest in understanding what the neighbor's experience has been, and I've expressed my support to Michael and Lynn Wright. I'm really impressed with what they do with the farm and Maya and Greg. I've even um, promoted uh, their their property. I've promoted their functions, the charities that they've had art auction, feast in the field. I, I really admire what they do. Our community needs more of that too. And I, I, um, I can empathize with the, the feelings they have as the adjacent property owner. Um, I'm extensively involved in volunteer work with community outreach. I've long had the routine of devoting Saturdays to one form of charity, wellness program, or another. Uh, that continues through this. In uh, 2021, over the course of a nine month period, there were only 17 days where one of my two teens were not in some form of hospitalization, nine months, 17 days, at home. I'm certain that one or both of them would have died had it not been for Newport finding a place for treatment. Their daily living environment and attachment-based therapy they provide trained our entire family to handle the challenges of neurodivergent children. Not only has Newport Healthcare saved the life of my son, but his experience there for three and a half months up in Connecticut gave him the incentive to pursue his education at Virginia Commonwealth University in the medical field so that he could help more people like him. This past summer, he had another opportunity to test the things he was taught by Newport as an adult this time. And he checked himself into the hospital. Now that he knows that will keep him safe, within a week he was back on track, just in time to head to college. As much excitement as we all had the last time we were here at the, uh, the hearing that we were getting new facilities in Loudoun County, LAMPS, as it's affectionately known, in Leesburg, uh, is the kind of facility that many people talk about residential should be, uh, in a larger building, with other medical care treatment, lots of beds, better use of floor area. And I've gone on the record as saying that that method is a stopgap to keep someone alive. It is not treatment. Um, so. My son was back in for a week. He was treated fairly, but this turns out to be just another example of how dismal access to mental health care is in Virginia. When he came out, I asked him about his experience, and he just said, let's say it's no Newport. I have personally visited those Newport locations this week, and I can tell you there's no sharing of services going on. They don't even get each other's mail. So that's, that's not happening. I don't know how many children are represented by the parents in our audience today, so I will say this. LCPS is hosting a mental health and wellness conference this Saturday right here at Riverside High School. It's huge. Anyone can visit and see how much we have in the way of access to services and how much we don't. As Dr. Spence, superintendent of our schools often says, we have an opportunity to make a generational impact. Thankfully, we have Newport Healthcare helping us even the scales on that.
0: Thank you, oh, don't go away so quickly. Any questions? Mr. Gray, any questions? Nope. Thank you. All right, so next will be on deck is Laura Tacroni. Hopefully I didn't damage that name too badly. Uh, Dylan Arthur is next. Pardon me? Oh.
22: Please. Dylan Arthur, Woodcock Court, Leesburg. I'm 100% permanently disabled military veteran as a result of my mental health injuries from the military. I'm here to speak against the proposed use of Newport's congregate housing being disguised as a group home, now three homes. I'm not one of the appellants, but simply a neighbor down the street, so I have no legal bias towards this company, for-profit treatment facilities, or advocates of mental health. As a survivor myself, you may or may not see I have a service dog with me. I object to the intended use in violation of county code as congregate housing, originally cited by Michelle Lohr herself. I'm not here to speculate or project project feelings, nor do I care about the astronomical amount that this company charges patients per day for luxury rehab, which may borderline discriminatory business practices and or fair housing laws since they call their patients residents. No, I'm here for the facts, just like you. That's how the law operates. As a former federal law enforcement officer myself, we operate on a fact basis and so do you. You've already heard from appellants in Newport multiple times now, as well as from residents alongside supporters of this intended use. I feel that this whole motion of residents who are not appealing being asked to speak is somewhat pointless, just, just miss a legal requirement. Some members seem to have prepared speeches with votes locked in opposition, no matter what anyone says, or who comes up here. So again, what are we doing here other than possibly procedurally wasting time? Back to facts. Michelle Lohr cited congregate housing is, is not allowed, allowed in Loudoun's AR one and suggested Newport could operate as a group home. They get all required permits, licenses to operate in the first house. Mr. Procopio and Mr. Norton can have that house and operate it as far as I'm concerned, provided they do not become a nuisance to the county or community alike. But after the first BZA, now they have a conditional license to operate the second house, and now we're here for a third home in the same subdivision, landlocked by a single road that connects them all, inescapable as a shared resource among others. Sharing resources would make this operation congregate housing, so call it what it is. As a board, you said one house operating is not congregate housing and can't be considered a group home, that's fine. Now we're here for a third house in that same subdivision. When does it become congregate housing when they file permits to build more more houses on their 10-acre attached empty lot? That's an open-ended question that I, ho- I hope one of you answers. Please at least look out for the patients of Newport and their safety and say no to this proposed home operating as another treatment facility on their property and label us as correctly as congregate house not permitted. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Mr. Arthur. Any questions for Mr. Arthur? Mr. Gray, any questions?
8: No. Uh,
0: Thank you again for your service, Mr. Arthur. Mr. Crony. And on deck is Sean Hoffman, if you'd come approach the other microphone. Thank you.
4: Good evening, so my name is Laura Tacroni and I'm here tonight in my capacity as a private citizen. The need for recovery and mental health facilities is not in dispute. We need these services in Loudoun County. So I understand that and I hear you that Loudoun County Public Schools is having a mental health uh, forum on Saturday. I plan to go to it because I think all our kids are experiencing some form of mental health issues. However, the, the issue here is the location and intensity of the use. I have the following concerns. All three homes share a single point of access, gated ent- a gated entry, and are owned by a single company. Therefore, the cumulative impact needs to be considered. The common ownership of the properties results in this being a single facility, as opposed to three separate facilities. There is a cumulative impact that is beyond one single family dwelling. Gleedsville Road cannot handle the traffic from 24 residents, and I heard today maybe up to 60 staff. Gleedsville is a two lane rural road that has a dangerous curve. Additional vehicle trips will impact safety on that road. There are parking issues. There's more demand for parking than a typical single family dwelling and there's inadequate parking for the number of residents and staff. 10 to 13 vehicles at each home is in excess of what you would see at a typical single family dwelling. Is there a parking pad to accommodate all of the parking? I understand a parking pad that is shared has been constructed to accommodate the daily flow of an estimated 24 to 27 cars a day. You might ask that question. Zoning. This use does not seem to be in the spirit of AR-1. I wanna explain AR-1 as agricultural residential. One home on 20 acres. That's AR-1, that's the zoning district. It is an intensive use that is more commercial, that is inconsistent with the residential zoning of the agricultural residential zoning. It adversely impacts agricultural and nearby residential. We heard about a farm less ordinary. They actually do farming on that farm. And there's a need to ensure the uses are compatible with the surrounding na- area and the neighboring uses of land. Um, and I don't, I would challenge that this is a compatible use. The existing on site treatment facility is described as non residential by our health department. Um, So I'm talking about the septic and the treatment facility that's on that site. It was described as non-residential, which to me seems to be a commercial business, a commercial use. Cumulatively, the square footage of the three dwellings on Gleedsville Road are approximately the same size as a church or a private school, which require a legislative application to study the impacts. So I question why this is by right. I visited a neighboring property where a farm less ordinary operates and saw staff using a golf cart, and I would encourage you guys to go out and visit. And they were transporting personnel between homes. Parking is shared, and it appears personnel are shared too, because staff members travel between the three properties. In my opinion, this use is most similar to a congregate living facility. Congregate housing is not permitted in the AR-1 and AR-2 zoning districts. So this does set a concerning precedent. I have to say I am very concerned about the precedent setting nature of this case.
0: Mr. Crony, would you summarize?
4: Yep, I realize um, that the BZA has upheld the two other zoning permits and for the sake of the residents, I would ask that we consider how zoning enforcement can conduct unscheduled inspections to make sure Newport Academy is in compliance now and in the future. We really need to listen to the residents and the neighbors. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Any questions for Mr. Croney? Mr. Gray, do you have any questions? I don't. Thank you very much. All right, Uh, next on deck is Kieran Fallon. If you'd come forward, Sarah Hoffman is next. Ms. Hoffman? All right, come on down, Mr. Fallon.
18: (laughs) we're going to get a babysitter if you, if you permit the uh, phone call you, you're
0: saying she's just out of the room
18: no she's at home because we, we couldn't get a
0: babysitter uh, we need to I think by law have her in a way where everybody perceiving can see everyone but um, thank you I appreciate that thank you. Mr. Bode okay so um, this is Mr. Fallon uh, Anthony Virgilio will be next on deck and after that Debbie Virgilio okay we're set Thank you mr. Fallon hello again um, my name is Kieran
23: Fallon I'm a resident of uh, Leesburg uh, I confess I was a little surprised by the date for this hearing. I would have thought you know February 2nd would be a better day since that is Groundhog day and we seem to be reliving reliving this uh, same issue over again um, as the council for the property owners uh, uh, eloquently explained. Uh, These facilities clearly meet the statutory elements uh, to be treated as a residential facility. And the statute is quite clear that no conditions more restrictive than those imposed on residences occupied by persons related by blood, marriage, or adoption shall be imposed on any such facility. I've heard of a lot of different things that get thrown up in these hearings. They have a shared driveway, they have common ownership, There's, to my knowledge, no requirement or limitation that says that you can't have shared houses or have houses share a driveway. In fact, we lived in McLean for 16 years on a pipe stem driveway. My house was not considered the same house as my neighbor's house. I would have loved to have control over my neighbor's house. I didn't always agree with what they did, but that wasn't the fact. The fact that we had a shared driveway did not convert the two houses to a single home you can't have a a, uh, impose a condition with respect to these types of facilities that don't apply to other residential facilities that is the purpose of the law i will be brief because i do think it is as simple as that the virginia legislature was quite clear and they adopted this statute for this precise reason to avoid these types of issues. There's a stigma with mental health, and they were concerned that NIMBYism would prevent these type of residential facilities, which as you have heard are critical to providing the mental health benefits that are so needed. So they enacted this statute to ensure that additional conditions could not be placed on these types of facilities if they met the terms of the statute. These facilities do, and I ask you to ha- again, to have the courage to uphold the decision of the, of the, uh, of the staff and the decision that was affirmed um, uh, by, the, uh, 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 by the appellate court. So thank you. Uh, hopefully this is the last time I need to appear. Um, before this, um, but uh, thank you for your time.
0: Thank you. Any questions for uh, Mr. Fallon? Mr. Gray, any questions? No. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, Mr. Virgilio is next, and Debbie Virgilio is on deck. Please come on down. Yes.
24: Mr. Virgilio. Yes, thank you. Uh, my name is Tony Virgilio. I live at 20487 Oatlands Chase Place, about a mile away from this uh, congregate mental health facility uh, that Newport operates, and uh, I just want to say a couple things. One is that the Constitution of the United States is an amazing document. It contains three words that are not contained in any other constitution in the world, and it starts off by saying, we the people. It doesn't say we the government that rule over the people, or we the you know, unelected representatives that uh, that, that tell you what's better for you than, than for anybody else. Uh, it basically says, we the people. And we the people have been here talking to you for the last two years about this congregate mental health facility and about why it doesn't belong in our neighborhood. More importantly, at every one of those meetings you've been told that this is a congregate facility and everything that's played out over the last years has clearly demonstrated to you that this is a congregate facility. And as a congregate mental health facility, not a group home, you know and I know and everybody here in this room should know that you don't have the authority to rule on that, that this is something you have to kick up to the Board of Supervisors and get them to make the decision on. And that's where this should be. You've seen it happen, you've seen it played out in the courts, and the fact is they've grown this from a one single group home just helping mentally ill patients to now a facility. And it's a large facility and it's a growing facility. Home by home, lot by lot, the reality is this is a congregate facility. You can't ignore it anymore. You've ignored it for a couple of years, you've tried to put it under the rug, but the reality is you have a congregate facility and you don't have the authority to rule on a congregate facility and this needs to stop. The fact of the matter is This needs, you need to listen to the people and the people who have been here, not people who live in McLean or in Great Falls or God knows where, but people that live here in Loudoun County that are telling you that this does not belong in their neighborhood, in their uh, vicinity of their house, that this is a congregate facility and everything that Newport has done over the last two years has turned to prove out, be true, this is a congregate facility. For the people that are here that are complaining about, you know, not having enough of these mental health facilities. We all agree, we know that mental health is a major problem here in the country. We know that we do need these facilities. That's not the issue. The issue isn't whether or not we need more new ports being built elsewhere around the country or even here in the county. We're arguing the issue of this not being the right place, the appropriate place, and coming through a back door and loopholes that are legal loopholes, not proving the case that they are not a congregate facility. And they have not demonstrated that. They've clearly not, not by what they've done. They may have said they're not a congregate facility, that they're only group homes, but the reality is everything that they've done, it plays up to be a congregate facility. We feel sorry for those people that have kids that have been affected by this. We appreciate the fact that they've gotten help for their children. But the reality is that's not the issue that's before you. You're not there to decide whether or not their kids are getting adequate mental health or not adequate mental health. It's not the issue that's before you. This is a zoning appeals issue, and it's to prevent congregate facilities from being there. As much as mental health care that Newport provides, they don't tell you that the residents of this house can't leave. They don't tell you that the residents of this house are medicated. But I will tell you that if it comes down to that and it's one of those people ends up walking out of that house, we're going to help them escape. And they're going to be written up in the press, you're going to hear about it on the news, and you're going to be fully aware that, you know, people here can't go around incarcerating people in a group home, keeping them there, treating them there, and not letting them go elsewhere uh, against their will. Because that's not what a resident is. A resident isn't somebody that you keep under control and you lock up and you keep them in one place. A resident is somebody that comes and goes at will. And the people that are in these homes are not residents, they're patients. And that's what every one of these people, every one of these parents has told you about them. They're sick, they're ill, and they can't be trusted to be on their own. So they're not residents just living in a house. These are people, patients that should be treated in, a, in the appropriate facility. And this congregate facility on Gleedsville is not the right place. And you know it. Thank you. Thank you,
0: Mr. Virgilio. Any questions for Mr. Virgilio? Uh, Mr. Gray, do you have any questions? No. Okay, thank you. thank you very much. Uh, Debbie Virgilio, you're next.
2: Hello to everybody. First of all, I'm sorry for all the people that have had experience with mental health. I'm glad that you got help. But they're getting help, it's not why. They should not be talking here about that because that is not the question that should be posed to you, whether or not they got mental health and it was good or not. The question is, is this the proper setting for these homes they were supposed to have issued to all the residents within a certain mileage before they came to court that they wanted to do this i received the letter in a plain envelope in between after christmas after new year's and two to three weeks after the date where I could make a statement that I didn't think that it was right. And I could come to the county and it was my time to say, no, I don't think this is right for our area, especially with um, gun ranges and animals. And most of us that live out there do have guns because we do have Bobcat. We do have coyote and we have to protect ourselves and our families and sometimes things happen with guns that shouldn't be happening and i don't want to see somebody leaving that facility which they have done since they've been there patients or residents whichever you want to call them but i don't think that it's right the next thing i want to say is i don't think that you're listening to the residents that live there you're supposed to be representing not only other people in the County and the people that want to come into the County, but you're also supposed to be upholding and representing for us, the people that live there. You don't live in my neighborhood. I don't live in your neighborhood. I've lived here 45 years. My husband's lived here over 50 years. This is not what we saw coming to our neighborhood. And we were not given the right to come here, ahead of time to try to stop this and I don't think it's right I don't think it's right you're representing us I don't think you come it's not right that you don't come out and look at what you're what you're ruling at it's not right it's it's what they're doing but why is the CEO of this company sitting here with 12 to 25 lawyers each time I've been here and we sit here with nothing we are representing the homes that we live in our morals and how we feel. We are talking about the property and the use of the property. I think that it's great to have these parents come and testify. You don't see the children, maybe one or two, but they're testifying about their mental health. Is not what you're here to judge. It's here for them to say, you need to pity us and you need to let it through because it helped us. And that's not right. And I hope that you do your job, and you do your job with conscience, and you think about the people that live in the county, that live in this neighborhood. Because you know what, our county's being raped, not only by the people that are serving on a lot of the boards here, but also by money. We're having data centers thrown in our face. can you our- please wrap up? I will. Our agricultural areas are being taken from us. Our air quality is worse. We were just in Washington, D.C. Temperature was 42. We got home, it was 55. That's from our data centers. That's what's happening in this county. And having this happen in our county is another step to ruining what the county is, why you moved here. Thank you.
0: Any questions for Ms. Virgilio? Mr. Gray, any questions? Thank you. Uh, Stephanie, do we have any other speakers? No, we do not. Okay, thank you very much. All right, then I'm going to declare the public hearing closed. Uh, do we have a motion? Mr. Moyes?
3: Yes, I move that the Board of Zoning Appeals uphold October 12, 2023, issuance of zoning permit ZONR 2023-007245, and deny APPL a- 2023 0005, based upon the following findings: A. The subject property is located at 20191 Gleedsville Road, Leedsburg, Virginia, in Loudoun County, and more particularly identified as PIN 315392788-000. The subject property is zoned AR1, and number ZONR 2023007245 was reviewed under the revised 1993 Loudoun County Zoning Ordinance. Monroe R.E. LLC is the owner of the subject property. On or about September 13, 2023, Keith Thompson, Chief Legal Officer of Newport Healthcare, submitted a zoning permit application for use of a group home for up to eight residents on the subject property. Included with the zoning permit application was a copy of a license issued to Virginia Health Operations LLC by the Virginia Department of Behavioral Health and Developmental Services for a, quote, mental health residential group home service for adults, unquote at the property. The application included a service plan, staffing plan, and facilities plan, which represented that proposed group home would that would not provide treatment to individuals with current illegal use of or addiction to a controlled substance as defined in section 541-340 of the Code of Virginia, and that the staffing and facilities would be independent and separate from any other existing or proposed group home and residents would not share amenities or facilities. On October 12, 2023, the Loudoun County Department of Building and Zoning and De- Building and Development issued zoning permit number ZONR 2023-007245 for the subject property. A, a quote dwelling, single-family detached, including manufactured housing, unquote, is a permitted use within an AR1 zoning district, pursuant to Table 2-102 of Section 2-102 of the Zoning Ordinance. The definition of family within Article 8 of the Zoning Ordinance includes any group identified in Section 15.2-2291A of the Code of Virginia. Section 15.2-2291A of the Code of Virginia states, Zoning Ordinances for all purposes shall consider a residential facility in which no more than eight individuals with mental illness, intellectual disability, or developmental disabilities reside with one or more resident or non-resident staff persons as residential occupancy by a single family. For the purposes of this subsection, mental illness and developmental disability shall not include current illegal use of or addiction to a controlled substance as defined in section 541 3401 No conditions more restrictive than those imposed on residences occupied by persons related by blood, marriage, or adoption shall be imposed on such facility. For purposes of this subsection, residential facility means any group home or other residential facility for which the Department of Behavioral Health and Developmental Services is the licensing authority pursuant to this code. Zoning Permit Number ZONR 2023-007245 complies with the zoning ordinance. Is
0: there a second to the motion? I
1: second.
3: All right, would you like to speak to your motion, Mr. Moyes?
0: Um,
3: Yeah, I I think we've hashed this out twice before, and now we're doing it for a third time. Um, We are bound by the zoning ordinances. And I I think if this is to play out in any other way, the Circuit Court has it, the Court of Appeals has it, and they'll come back and tell us otherwise. But until then, I think we, 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 we we read the code as it is read.
0: Anyone else? Mr. Gray? I'll wait for comments. Okay. Um, I just have a couple of, of, of things to say. The, 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 the phrase that keeps coming to my mind is above my pay grade. Um, I don't believe it's our job to rewrite the zoning ordinance. It's certainly not our job to rewrite the Code of Virginia, and I don't think we have any authority at all to rewrite the Fair Housing Act at the federal level and uh, uh, second guess the decision of the president of the United States in signing that law. Uh, I have sympathy and empathy for the appellants. I don't think they had any choice but to appeal and I feel sorry for the burden financially they have to bear uh, because there's a legal issue with three different permits. They've got to follow them all through and I I understand why you you have to be here. but i didn't hear any new facts or new law uh cited over the two previous uh, hearings on this Um, i do think it's important to say that the definition of congregate housing specifically excludes residential and that's an issue that seems to be a that that seems to be a hook that folks are hanging on that there's some kind of a a misreading of of the law on this but in my opinion, we don't have any legal or logical alternative except to be consistent with our previous decisions based on the same facts and the same law. Uh, and it would be really our duty and appropriate thing to help present the cleanest possible issue to the courts above us. So I'm going to support the motion. Mr. Gray.
8: Yeah. Um, Rory, I respectfully disagree in just about everything you said. Um, I think we do have an ability here. I think we do have a responsibility here. And I think that if we step outside our quasi judicial status and into chancery equity, as it may otherwise be known, that we can make a ruling that recognizes that what looks like a duck, acts like a duck, is probably a duck um i will agree with you that nothing new has come to light in the hearing tonight essentially the argument is that from the newport side that we have three homes individually licensed um on the uh ellen side that they really are three homes that although they may be individually licensed in aggregate it it speaks to a much larger construct known as a congregate house, congregate housing facility. Um, I've heard the evidence on three of the four hearings on this matter and for me it it, it really does come back to the issue of congregate housing. We can argue all the other elements that are raised by the appellant and argued by Newport. Uh, I think a lot of them are red herrings and I think that the issue of congregate housing is really the the salient point in this particular conversation. Uh, Is it really, and is this scheme, uh, three individual houses operating separately or three houses forming a de facto congregate uh, housing facility? Newport would tell us that there are three separate houses. Uh, Appellants argue the opposite. Uh, We've been told that the definition of congregate uh, housing is clear and uh, the situation does not meet that definition. We have also been told that the state legislature has and is continuing to establish minimum distance between treatment facilities located in single-family homes. Uh, Why would they do this? What are they concerned about? I would argue they're concerned about exactly the circumstances and situation we're facing in this case. I would suggest that uh, it is exactly the basis for their concern. If And I would also argue that if the legislature is concerned enough to address the minimum distance issue, what would they say to three facilities during common borders? Uh, there's a legal principle that's been recognized uh, the circumstances that permit things that, not, that might not formally be uh, past muster to be constructively construed by legal bodies. Um, in my opinion, again, this is one of those circumstances, and, and we need to do it. If we were ruling from a much higher bench, it could be called, or it could be argued. Uh, I think that this case is a, uh, a case of first impression, something that may be, that may appear to be subtle flaw, of, but when viewed and immersed in an emerging context, uh, not previously considered, that we need to view it in that context. Of course, we don't ar- operate at that level. We operate over a much lower level. Uh, it's off, often stated that we sit as a quasi-judicial body that's only partially true. We also sit in chant 3. And when it's appropriate, we can place reason above the law. Uh, this does not occur often, I agree, but I think that this is clearly one of those times that it does. When something, as I mentioned earlier, when something walks like a duck and talks, quacks like a duck, the duck. Well, frankly to me, this looked like congregate, a congregate facility. Uh, we are told also by Newport that there are sufficient safeguards in place, and as much as I would like to believe this, I don't. There are too many players, disparate players, that are charged with responsibility in it matter. Uh, those charged with permitting licensing, forcing compliance, when all it, when it boils down to the end, all can claim plausible deniability in one form or another. Uh, I have the hardest, highest regard, as the often said, for the county administrator for staff. Unfortunately, I, I believe, and I've said this before in this matter, uh, he has been placed in a, an untenable situation, and we need to step up to the plate. We need to take uh, responsible action in this matter. We need to act in effort. We need not defer to the uh, inadequacies of of some of the laws and the statutes and ordinances that are uh, before us. Uh, Finally, uh, I guess, would not necessarily agree res judicata suggestion made by the court, although I I was the one that that used that phrase, but in a different context. It may be res judicata with regard to individual parts of the whole, but not of the whole. I mean, when we began this odyssey, we all, I think, anticipated that at some point we would have to we would have to answer the matter: Are these really three individual and separate entities, or are they, when taken together, something larger? And I would argue that it, it is the latter. Um, I vote to deny the issuance of the permit and to uphold the appeal, thereby restricting the authorization to a. a, a, a Reunited.
0: Okay. Thank you. Any other discussion on the motion? Mr. Kramer?
15: No. I. Um, I. I can see, um, as Mr. Gray has, has stated, um, that you know there there are concerns here and uh, those concerns need to be taken to heart Um, and then again in terms of what is in place right now in terms of um, zoning and what is um, what is acceptable in terms of um, what is being asked for and doing it in a manner in terms of separate group homes um, does not go against the statute. So, again, it's this um, situation where, um, again, <laughs> it, it it appears from, you know, as, as Mr. Gray said, um, that it is a, a larger entity here um, that seems to be forming. That's my only comment.
0: All right. Uh, if there's no you have a comment
1: Uh, i was just going to say that i think like as i thought about this you looked at the orders from judge sheridan and you read how the discussions went i think it was pretty clear that they tested all of the same assumptions again and it's kind of one of those that we got the administrators ruling we you know had a ruling ourselves and then we had the court and they all three aligned and came with the same conclusion. So I kind of come to that we have to have the same conclusion again. Yes, please. Mr. Worry, if
8: I
3: may.
0: Uh, Mr. Moyes asked, let me allow him first and then you next, Mr. Gray.
3: Okay, thank you. You know, I, I would like, I know we said this last time as well to the appellants, that if, if there are violations, there are remedies, There there is a process you can follow to report those. And if you see those, then Obviously, you're you're the ones living around there. We're not; we are your neighbors. We're here, but if there are violations occurring, there are proper channels for you to try and get those addressed. Mr. Gray,
8: I'm going to like to speak to the uh, to the issue of what Judge Sheridan did, and again, I argue that uh, the his findings in the most recent uh, appeal did not state, or let me say it a different way. He did not, he agreed that some of the circumstances that we have argued, that I have argued tonight, were not right, and that only when the entire set of circumstances was taken together in aggregate would he render a, an appropriate uh, determination. And I'm just concerned that, you know, if we give credence to the fact that somebody said that this ruling essentially was res judicata. I think it's an inaccurate uh, description of what Judge, uh, Judge Sheridan has actually said.
0: I would maybe in closing, I think I would say I certainly agree as a lawyer that's not technically raised judicata, but I do think there's an issue of consistency. Any other debate? All right. If there's no other debate, then we don't need to call the question. We can go directly to a vote. All those in favor of the motion, please say aye. 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 Those opposed? Aye. Nay. Nay. All right. The uh, motion.
8: Can I get a a reading? Because I can't see what you guys are doing.
0: A reading? A reading?
8: I mean, of who, not, you know, how many voted one way?
0: Yeah, Mr. Moyes uh, voted aye, uh, the Chairman voted aye, and Mr. Walker voted aye, Mr. Kramer voted nay, and you voted nay. Thank you. So the motion passes, three to two. Uh, I want to thank the community again for uh, your time and the civility uh, with which the proceeding occurred tonight. Uh, Thank you for your contribution to our civil society. Uh, All right, so we have a few other agenda items we need to proceed to. Uh, And uh, since we're to those official items, I'm going to uh, exercise a point of personal uh, privilege or deference uh, under these administrative items. I have the sad uh, duty to report to everyone that uh, Nan uh, Joseph lost her husband. Uh, recently. He's been uh, suffering with Parkinson's disease for uh, quite a while Uh, and those of us who've had a family member who's been through that knows it is no fun under the best of circumstances. So we all have uh, our list of board members and so on and I encourage you all to think about finding her address on that list and uh, expressing your sympathy directly. She had hoped Corey. to be here tonight and uh, and run the meeting outside of this particular appeal. Uh, Mr. Gray?
8: Yeah, I'm, I, I certainly don't have her address here with me. Uh, can you forward that to me or have uh, uh, Stephanie forward
0: it to me, please?
4: Yes, I'll send it to you.
0: Great, thank you. Thank you. you. Okay, uh, Assistant County Attorney Report.
10: Uh, good evening, uh, Mr. Clark and uh, members of the board. Uh, I'd like to extend a welcome to Mr. Kramer, uh, if I may, um, for uh, the first public hearing. Um, my my summary is rather it going to be real, rather dry. It's sort of a status of current pending appeals of your decisions and and uh, follow up to something that was mentioned at the administrative meeting before the end of the year. Uh, the first two. Uh, Kind of where things stand in terms of appeals from the board. Uh, In our uh, the the matter we we just heard, I think you've all read in our reports, this where things stand in terms of the Court of Appeals for uh, the Virginia Court of Appeals for the um, the the two Newport cases that are pending. Um, Those matters are fully briefed as of December, and then they're waiting for a hearing date, which is to be determined. there is another appeal that has been appealed to the circuit court, which has been touched on and that's still pending. The, the trial date for that is set for September. So again, these are the other appeals. Um, in terms of another appeal that was uh, kind of a status update on that, this was a matter that was uh, in Ray Galuski, and that's appeal 2022 For uh, to refresh everyone's memory. This is an appeal of a uh, determination by the zoning administrator, regarding the, an accessory dwelling in a barn, Mr. Glowski's property in which um, the board upheld the decision that it was uh, against the determination that it was against the, the zoning code. That appeal that matter has been appealed to the, the Loud County Circuit Court and in, that's still pending and there's a trial date set for that in June 12, 2024. So that's the status of that. One more uh, piece of it, it's a little it's a little thick but it's, uh, and it's actually rather relevant. Um, One of the, uh, there's a couple appeals on this that uh, the board was, uh, on the board's decision, and uh, the Court of Appeals of Virginia issued a a decision on this. And this is a Graydon Manor appeal. Uh, A couple of appeals uh, a little while back, a number of years ago, can't I don't have the exact numbers, but it had to do with the development of a property known as Grayden Manor. Um, one of them, one of the issues in the appeals was a, a, a letter issued by the zoning administrator, um, which in which he answered, I think, roughly 28 questions. Um, and the board had said he'd answer them properly um, at the circuit court level. Uh, on a motion to strike, the the appeal was stricken because the. And one of the bases is that the zoning determination was an advisory opinion. For Mr. Kramer's benefit and for the other members of the board, um, one of the Newport decisions, the first one was a, a zoning determination, um, it was exactly an advisory opinion, which of course was affirmed by Judge Sheridan. The point is I have the copies of the order, I will also have Steph tonight if anyone wants to pick it up. It's a, it's a rather, um, it, it, it's a good... I did not say a good read. I just mean it's a little dense, but for <laughs> not I mean, anyone. It's, kind of it might, to
0: find
23: for it. anyone,
10: if anyone's you know, if you have a cure for insomnia, no, I'm kidding. Um, it's it, but there is a point. The point of fact is that um, it's consistent with what how the board ruled and Judge Sheridan ruled regarding uh, determination letters, advisory opinions. I'm sure this will come up in the future. I will happily have hard copies here, and I'll make sure it's shared with. Uh, Stephanie, I'll make sure it's circulated, of course, to all members and, and the chair and uh, Mr. Gray. But wanted to just share that, just very briefly. I know it's been a kind of a long night for you, but that's really the status update there. Um, on, on another note, I think there are a number. I guess to put a scheduling issue, and maybe Mr. Uh, the zoning administrator or, or, or the deputy might mention it. We do have a number of sort of. Um, uh, appeals that have sort of been in limbo from notices of violation that uh, will probably be set for hearing over the course of the year. Um, why? Why I'm mentioning that now just to I understand just to keep an awareness that there'll probably be some matters coming down the pike because I think they're going to be moving into a hearing posture. But that's all I have. I'm happy to try to answer any questions. But that's sort of the short and sweet of the report tonight. If there's anything else I can answer, I'm happy to do so.
3: Okay, thank you. I have a cool one question. Do we know if is Judge Sheridan going to hear that the appeal to the circuit court again, or has it been assigned to a judge? Oh,
10: i I do apologize. I I don't I don't know right now. I, I I thought I I thought I had all my I thought I wasn't going to get a question I couldn't answer on it, and I've been defeated.
8: I think I know the answer to that, and I believe oh. in his uh, in his conversations uh, before the ruling, he indicated that he would uh continue with
10: the case okay i i thank you i'm sorry i didn't know the answer but (laughs) there we go thanks mr gray
15: anything else mr kramer i see you reaching i I was just curious the circuit court is is in leesburg that that's these cases are heard at or are we allowed to go and watch all right
10: Cool. Sure. The dates for the next, again, I can, I can get you those dates. We can get them to Stephanie if you're interested. Sure. Um, yep. Yeah. thank you. Absolutely.
0: It's a, it's a full trial, right. not just an argument, <laughs> not a motion.
10: So it's like two days. I mean, I mean it's scheduled for two days, I think. Maybe might be shorter. Hopefully it's,
0: they can stipulate to some facts. and. I,
10: well, r- exactly. I just wanted to give you the heads up on that, but I'll get you those dates so you can throw through Stephanie if that's okay. Shall okay. will share them with all the board. Sure, no, no, no problem. Yeah.
0: It's great watching the sh- sausage being made. <laughs> uh, do we have a county zoning administrator's no. report?
7: Well, thank you, Mr. Clark. Um, and I also would like to welcome Mr. Kramer Luke, to his first, first hearing. It's good to see you. Thank you. Um, First thing, for next month, I'm not sure at this point whether we're gonna have a case. Um, There could potentially be something, but it's still sort of out there in limbo. So uh, if there is nothing, we will probably contact the chair to see if she wants to hold the meeting or cancel. Um, The other thing I did, probably some of you are aware, if not all, that the board did approve a comprehensive, uh, actually approved a new zoning ordinance for Loudoun County in December of 2023 it was December the 13th Uh, so we have you know the revised 1993 zoning ordinance has been replaced by what we're just calling the Loudoun County Zoning Ordinance and it was a long effort it was the primary goal of that was to implement the county's new comprehensive plan that was adopted in 2019 Uh, so that was the bulk of the changes that were done but there was extensive reformatting of the ordinance to try to uh, make it a little bit easier to follow user-friendly one of the neat features too is that this this particular amendment will be uh, on an online platform eventually. Right now, it's still in a PDF version, but there's going to be um, what's called Encode Plus, which is a uh, like I said, an online format for the zoning ordinance. So there'll be a lot of cross references that you can a lot of links that you can use to to hop around the ordinance. So, um, but just want to make you aware of that so you know moving forward you'll You'll be more exposed to that ordinance as we get more involved in it So I think that's all I had if you have to answer any questions
0: any questions Mr. Gregg No,
8: I only have one question and probably for you Rory Uh, in the past and I maybe I'm acting asking this uh prematurely but in the past when one of our long-serving members has left there was a proclamation or something mm. some such thing yeah. that was provided and I wondered if anybody had undertaken
0: that effort for page uh, Stephanie has uh, Nan, uh, well, asked you about that oh
7: I can let you know that we are working to get a resolution of appreciation for mr. Moffitt uh, to be issued by the Board of Supervisors that's still in the works um, so that that's something hopefully that will happen in the near future but I didn't know whether, like the, the BTA BCA wanted to do its own separate um, proclamation as well.
0: That resolution is for the board of supervisors. Yes. Oh, excellent. No, I absolutely think we yeah. um, we should be doing that. Uh, what's the timetable for you all to have that resolution together to present to the board of supervisors?
7: Well, we're I'm, I've, we staff has basically prepared the draft, and we're working with county administration. Uh, they need you know to get a board somebody on the board which i'm sure they will so i just sponsor that and then get all the signatures and everything so i would think within the next couple of months that should be happening at a future board meeting
0: if you have a draft can i ask that you forward that draft to stephanie and ask stephanie to send it to sure ms joseph uh i'm quite sure she'll want to honcho that yeah that'd be fine to uh praise mr Moffat for his long service would you refresh my recollection um Because typically we have people, I think, serving until their successor. Did he resign effective December 31st? Yes. Okay, so he is. So we have a vacancy. A vacancy. And how that works is, alternates continue as alternatives until they get elevated, if they get elevated by the
7: current. Members continue to serve until they're either reaffirmed or, which they would continue or if they're you know replaced by someone else then
0: great it, and it took a while <laughs> mr kramer um are they advertising are you advertising for
7: yeah i believe that stephanie do you, you know we
4: advertised right before the holidays and we've got one applicant really so i don't
12: our reputation proceeds
4: <laughs> i don't it, maybe because the holidays maybe maybe
0: merry christmas
4: <laughs>
2: Maybe we re-advertise?
7: Yeah, we might, Another if we month? don't get any more out of, I'd imagine we want to send it out again, a press release and right. get that word out again. Yeah, we,
10: yeah. We, were, we were just discussing that, that the, that we only
7: had one, yeah. so maybe we need to consider. Which is more. odd, because normally we get at least, at least I don't know, 10, we we got 10 or 11 last time, I think so.
0: Do a mail drop to the Gleesville area, you might get some responses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's, okay, thank you uh, very much. Any other questions or comments?
7: Oh, I have
4: two things. Yes. I put binders in front of your... Yes. That's the copy of the new zoning ordinance.
0: I think I've had a hard copy of the code sent for 20 years. Yes. Yeah. 18 years. You mean they made hard copies again? Yeah, because they, it's not online yet, so yeah. they had to give oh. us paper copies.
8: <laughs> will you have your secretary make copies and distribute to the rest of us right?
4: Yes.
0: Yes, yeah, so she will certainly get that to you.
4: Absolutely, and also... Oh, no,
8: I
0: was talking... <laughs>
4: Also, I need uh, your real estate withholdings. Me? Nope, I have yours. Yeah. I have Kramer's. I need the other two.
0: Kramer. The way you say Kramer makes me think of. We have a subpoena. No,
4: it has to be a wet signature. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's all right. up there. Okay. That's Anything all I else love.
0: for the good of the order? All right. Then uh, uh, I'll declare the meeting adjourned. Thank you for your time. Hey, before happen. you
8: go. Oh hey, yes, sir. Before you go, Stephanie, you have my real estate holding.
4: Yes. Okay. Yeah, you emailed it to me. Yeah. Didn't you?
0: <laughs> <laughs> we'll look into that. Oh, and, uh, and uh, Kelly, just, uh, I, I think you were not yet in the room. Um, Stephanie was reelected secretary, uh, and Nan uh, was reelected chair, and uh, I was reelected vice chair. Are
8: um, um no. Uh, Congratulations.
4: (laughs) It's under duress. Yeah,
0: well. Yes. That's because
8: it was just like pages, vacancy. Nobody else wanted it. (laughs) All
0: right. No more uh, business, then the meeting's adjourned. Thank you very much.
10: Thanks, everybody.